Hey everyone, happy Friday night. It's Game Face episode 135 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield. I'm Matt Kyle. And we're here to bring you the biggest and the baddest in video games for this week. Maybe not so uh, big and bad. Big. It's a relative thing. <laughs> Relatively speaking, anyway. Uh, I want to, uh, before we start the show, I want to say thank you to folks on YouTube. So this week on Pactor Factor, we finally brought up the whole Twitch Prime thing. And the response on YouTube has been amazing. We, I have been shocked at how many people have gone and signed up and uh, subscribed to our channel on Twitch. So thank you very much. For those of you who are wondering what the hell I'm talking about and you're watching this episode on YouTube, there are instructions down in the description that explain how it works. It literally takes like 45 seconds and you can give us $2.50. Also, thanks to everyone in the chat right now who has already given us money tonight or have done it earlier in the month. It has been a huge, huge help for us and a great revenue stream for us. So thank you to our patrons who are doing it in addition to uh, supplying us with the money we need to survive and to the people who on YouTube are just trying to help us out so that they can keep the content coming. So thank you all very, very much. Hope you're having a great week. We're here to cap it off for you guys. <laughs> Matt, the, the industry's pretty slow still. A little quiet. I yeah. mean, I've been distracting myself with Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, from a distance. From a distance, yeah. I mean, I, I'll never want to go to Comic-Con again, I don't think. I would, I would only go to Comic-Con if, if I was working. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise I don't enjoy... If I, you had to. Yeah, I, I don't enjoy being there Which is all. so weird because you typically love everything that's going on there, like all the movies. Oh, yeah, but I, I love it if I can see it and you can't yeah. see anything. You can't navigate the crowds. You can't get to anything. You can't... Unless you're waiting hours in line to see the, the panel, you're not going to get it. I mean, I, I went in 1996 when you didn't have to ask where the comic books were. When that's what the show and was. When, yeah, it was <laughs> I remember I, I, walked up, I walked up to the... First off, I parked on the street next to the convention center. Like, I, I, got, I parked wow. on the street and I walked... <laughs> A hundred yards wow. to the entrance of the convention center. <laughs> if you've been to the San Diego Comic Con since the 2004 or so, you will know that that's insane. Um, that's like yeah. a unicorn. It's like describing a finding mythological any beast. parking there yeah. is impossible. And I walked up, and as I was approaching, a guy came out of the main doors carrying a boxed uh, Imperial shuttle, Return of the Jedi Imperial shuttle. And I, I my face must have reacted because <laughs> he's, he's like, haven't seen one of these in a while, have you? And I'm like, no, I, I don't know if I've ever seen one. He's like, you want to check it out? And like, he just, like, right there in front of the thing, he put it down, opened it, and let me see it and play with it. And he, and he put, packed it up and walked away. Wow. And I'm like, wow, that was great. And like, just walked up, bought a ticket, went in for the day, saw stuff, picked up a bunch of stuff I'd never seen in person before because eBay wasn't really a thing right, yet. Yeah. And got good prices and went home. And, well, not home. I was staying with a friend in Escondido. But like, I, 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 and also, like, no, none of my friends I was with came with me. Oh, wow. And today, every single one of them would come with me. Because well, they're probably all there right now, and no, you're here. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're all, they're all mothers and fathers, oh, and, and you know, they're, they're all adults now. I'm the only one. But they would probably go with me for a day now, because everybody loves geek stuff now. Yeah. But uh, then I went, the next time I went was 2006 with G4, because I, so I hadn't been in 10 years, and I walked in, I was like, oh my god, it's E3. Like, what happened? And I had to ask someone where the comic books were. He's yeah. like, oh, they're way down there. The other side of the hall, and you look down, and it's like the lights aren't even on yeah, over there. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, and I had to walk down. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess there are comic books here. Okay, and yeah. like you look back, and it's just like a carnival with like giant inflatable Pikachu's and stuff. I'm just like, I'm like what is this? Um, it has changed a lot. So yeah, yeah, I, I, the last time I think I went was 2013, um, and that was purely to get a uh, Transformers exclusive. Uh, now I don't do that anymore. Even do that anymore. Although uh, was it 2013? Yeah, because because actually. Uh, 
uh, a former intern from G4, uh, my friend Erica, uh, was going, she was there for Ubisoft and she went and got the exclusives I needed from the Hasbro toy shop like the, on the preview night. And she, I, I just picked them up from her and then I wandered around the floor and went up. It was great. She did a, she did a tremendous service for me because yeah. otherwise that was like hours of waiting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now they just sell them, two weeks later, they just put them up on the online store and you can buy them oh, there. Really? And so I'm just like, yeah. I don't, now you have no, no reason. No reason to go, pretty much. <laughs> All right, so we will talk about Comic-Con a little bit. Uh, as usual, there's some game stuff going on there. We'll get into that. We're also going to talk a little bit... But don't bit... look for that Avengers game, because apparently yeah. just, Marvel games got nothing for you at this yeah. point. Yeah, and we're actually going to talk a little bit, too, about some of the more pop culture stuff. We'll talk about a couple of the big movie stories from Comic-Con, maybe some TV stuff. Uh, obviously, we have plenty of time, because there's not enough game content to really get Game Face out to where it usually is. So we're going to spend a little bit extra time on Comic-Con talking about some periphery stuff that maybe we normally wouldn't. So... Let's kick things off. We're going to talk first about a game that has been ported to the Switch called Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. It was a Wii U game that got pretty good reviews when it came out. Uh, sold pretty well, relatively speaking, considering the installed base that, was, that the Wii U had at the time. Seems to be well regarded by the Nintendo fandom. Yep. And uh, it is now on Switch with, with some enhancements, I might add. I've been playing it for the last couple days. Oh, wow. Are you using footage? Yes, absolutely. Well, this I captured this oh, okay, myself. Okay. This isn't a trailer. So chances are it'll probably still get flagged by <laughs> Nintendo somehow. I think Nintendo actually physically watches our shows because we've run footage that I've captured before and still got flags. Hello out there, Nintendo. Yes, land. hello, Nintendo. Please give me more work than I need already. Uh, so I've been playing this for the last couple of days. I did not play it on the Wii U. Um, for whatever reason, I think maybe it came out when I was working on some other mm -hmm. stuff. I play, Also, it was very it was a full-price game, and it didn't quite look like that. But I played it, I think I played one level at E3 on the Wii U yeah. years ago. Uh, and I have not picked this up for the Switch, because uh, my Switch game of the moment is uh, Octopath Traveler. So We'll talk about that as well today, and I've been playing that as well. I do like the, I, I like the one time I played this. I, I felt like it kind of had a Zack and Wiki kind of yeah. element to it that it's I very enjoyed. very similar, yeah. Um, I just haven't come, gone back to it at any point. Even more so now. So one of the big changes that they've made is the way the old game played, it had a lot of touchscreen controls. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been playing this docked. I haven't been playing it in handheld mode. So when you play it docked, there's that little blue cursor you can see there on the screen, and you control that with motion controls. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can use it like I used it right there. So Toad would lift the switch and then raise up the stairway so you could get up to the star. And the way the game works is, for those of you who don't know, is it's a collection of levels. They're all self-contained, like they're just basically floating out in free space. Yeah, they're like little puzzle boxes. Yeah, and the objective is to get the star. That's pretty much the main objective. Now, there are three crystals that you can collect on each stage. Um, and there are there's some things you can go back to. There's like a hide-and-seek minigame that you can play on each level once you finish the game, but I haven't got there yet. Um, so there's some things to collect while you're trying to collect the star for the completionists who want to get 100%. For the most part, I've just been getting the star and getting the hell out of there. Uh, I'm not all about trying to find every little way to get the crystals that are in the game. Uh, but there are some pretty significant changes to this other than the motion controls for the Switch version. And also, by the way, if you play it in handheld mode, you can play it like the old game using the touchscreen on the uh, gamepad. <laughs> you fell. Yeah, I actually died. A, I've died a couple times in this game. But um, some of the other changes, uh, there are 82 stages, which is, I think, an extra 20 plus stages from the original. 
Four of them are for Super Mario Odyssey. But the weird thing is, is that they removed the levels from Super Mario World, which was the Mario 3D platformer for Wii U. Yeah, I've seen some arguing over that. Like some people think that like, you know, though they remove content, that's bad. Other people that were that were fans of the Wii U version like are kind of feel like they were just sort of randomly repurposed Mario 3D World levels that kind of became Treasure Tracker levels, whereas the new levels were designed for this game. They just have theming from Odyssey, and so they consider them superior to the Wii U version. Interesting. Um, I don't know why you would ever remove content from a game unless it were broken or fans didn't like it. Yeah, I don't, but I, I, it can't be a space issue, so I, mean, I, don't, no, know, absolutely I don't know not. Why, why, that, why they would do that. So controlling the camera in this game is a big deal. Uh, that's really one of the primary gameplay mechanics is being smart with the camera to try to find the hidden pathways, because there's some times where you have to get the camera angle exactly at the perfect angle to see a doorway that you need to walk through or a path that you couldn't see before. And the game, I think, does a great job of playing with this, with the perspective in the game. Like, I don't know, I'm probably about three quarters of the way through the game at this point. And once every two or three stages, something happens where I'm like, oh, wow, that's really smart. That's really creative. The level design in this makes use of the camera extensively uh, and it'll, it provides those moments that kind of make you smile here and there that I get from a lot of Nintendo games. Um, so the cursor, not only will it move switches and things, if you put the cursor over one of the enemies and then tap the button, it will pause the enemy. So that's another mechanic. Timing, speed, uh, messing with the enemies, that's all really important mechanics that will ultimately contribute to you completing each stage. The other thing I would say about this game is that the difficulty ramps up real quick. Like, there's three books in the game, and I'm currently on the third book. The first book is pretty easy, but even by, like, the fifth stage of the first book, it starts to get to the point where you have, really have to start thinking about it. And all the footage that we're showing, by the way, is from the first book, so we're not spoiling anything for you guys. We're showing you all stuff from early on in the game. And as you can see here also, the pointer, you can use it to slide the parts of the stage. And you don't control which direction it slides, you just tap it and then it automatically kind of toggles from one position to another. And all of these elements get mixed together to create some very interesting and unique and creative puzzles. Um, it's not really a platformer. I know people may look at this and say, oh, it just looks like a Mario game starring Toad. That's, you can't even jump in this game. Toad can only walk. Uh, and, so, and he can run. And so you learn how fast he can walk, how fast he can run, how long enemies get stunned for when you tap them with the cursor. All those elements are wound up to create some very interesting, very creative level design. Also a great option for handheld mode, although I haven't been playing it that way. But because each level is self-contained and you can just put the thing to sleep, even mid-level if you want to, it works perfect as a handheld game that you could maybe take with you on, uh, on your commute or on a trip or, or whatever because the whole thing is just built in bite-sized chunks. There's not much of a story. You can see, you saw the whole story right there at the beginning where one of Toad's friends gets taken away by a bird, and then your objective is to get your friend back, and that's pretty much the extent of the entire story in the game. So it's not really a story-driven game. It's not really a full-featured game. You can finish the whole thing. I mean, I've, I'm about three-quarters of the way through. I've been playing about six hours, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm guessing you can finish the whole thing in eight or nine hours. So it's not one of those games that you're going to have and you're going to play forever. There is some incentive to go back and replay stuff, like I said, the hide-and-seek minigame, or if you want to go back and find all the crystals for 100% completion. 
uh, that might give you some reason to go back. Personally, I don't see myself returning to the game unless they release some levels as DLC, which is very possible because that did happen with the Wii U version. So um, I'm guessing the Super Mario Odyssey levels are just the beginning. I wouldn't be surprised if there are a bunch of other Mushroom Kingdom themed worlds that eventually are, are released as DLC for it. Um, the other thing too, as I said earlier, it's not really like a full featured game. It doesn't have a story. Well, it's also not priced like a full featured game. It's uh, 10 bucks cheaper. It's 50 bucks. Or wait, maybe it's 40. Me, yeah, I think it's 40. Um, Nintendo sent me a code for it, so I'm not sure how much it costs, but I know it is discounted. It's not a full price game. Um, would I pay $40 for this game? Probably not. Uh, I would pay 30 for it. I definitely wouldn't pay 50 for it. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe someone can clarify in the chat exactly what the price is. I know it's, it's not full priced. Um, but I've had a good bit of fun with it. It's a nice little filler in this dead zone of video games. Um, this, this and Octopath Traveler released on the same day, by the yeah. way. Nintendo, the only publisher who realized, hey, there's this huge gaping hole of a release calendar in the summertime. Let's try to put out a couple games. But you can see here, like I'm controlling two toads at once. Uh, it's very inventive, very creative. It makes you think about each level in very different and unique ways. Um, and because the camera is such a big part of the mechanics, the camera controls are great. Uh, they're very intuitive. You get as much control as you could ever want. You can zoom in, you can zoom out. You can pretty much go from any angle. You can use the motion controls to control the camera too if you want to. Um, but I've, in, I've enjoyed my time with Captain Toad. I'm also, I should, I should add, I'm also a big Toad fan. Just in general, hmm. I like that character for whatever reason. Even though he's like the most generic, and some people would say stupid character in the Mushroom Kingdom, for whatever reason, I love Toad. I think a lot of it is that he's so ambiguous and nobody knows what or who or what sex he is. Wasn't he? A, this is a different Toad than we're used to, or I don't know. Like, there's a bunch of Toads. Yeah, I mean, there is like a Toad posse. I've, I mean, so I've seen the, the argument over whether the the mushroom is a, is a hat or his head, right? <laughs> I, I believe Nintendo, or, or so, I think somebody, one of the Nintendo people confirmed that it is, in fact, his head. Um, and then there was a whole argument whether, like, they have hair under the, because if they have hair under the thing, it's probably a hat. But then there was, there's one female, there's a toadette in one of the, this, uh, one of the Paper Mario games, I think, where yeah. her hair is mushrooms. Oh, it's like a ponytail made of the mushroom thing, and it, it, it that got, just threw everyone into it got a real weird and real meta, and like like people were posting like anatomical drawings of like these things. It was, it got it it, it was more entertaining than just about anything Toad has ever done in a video game. That's for sure. Um, the chat is saying it's forty bucks, so twenty dollars cheaper than your typical game, and that is borderline like. If you're really hurting and you need something to play, I could see spending the forty dollars on it. Um, otherwise, to me, it's kind of the, the pinnacle of a $30 game. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of that... But really, you're going to have to decide on 40 because Nintendo doesn't discount stuff. So. Never. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be $40 for a long time. I guess the one thing I would say is, if you, you are a completionist, and you can see yourself going back and completing every stage 100%, and then going back and playing the hide-and-seek stuff, then maybe the $40 is worth it. If you're someone who just plays through games to play through them, and you don't care if you get 100%, particularly with Switch, where you don't really get achievements or anything like that mm -hmm. for doing it, uh, then I would say don't buy it, I guess? Because I can't say wait for it to drop the 30 bucks because it's never right. going to drop the 30 bucks. Well, I mean, if you're not interested in Octopath Traveler, what else are you playing? Yeah. So. Or maybe I would recommend, if you have a Wii U, going back and buying the Wii U version. You can probably find that used on eBay for pretty cheap at this point. I don't know. Really? Nintendo stuff, that, I mean, once by the time it goes out of print, the, the 
price goes up again because you can't get it anymore. Right. So I don't know. I don't know how cheap that would be at this point. Maybe cheaper because this version came out now. But yeah. then again, it might have gone up because it has levels that this one doesn't have. That's true. And you could also figure that there probably weren't a ton of copies of this sold yeah. for Wii U. Wii U games are probably going to be uh, something of a collector's item eventually just by virtue of how few were made of each, each game. I think the Wii U will be a collector's item eventually. Maybe, yeah. I mean, you only sold like 10 million or so I of them. I will say this. If you like the Wii U, I would pick up a, an extra gamepad at some point. Yeah. Because that thing's going to break before the system does and then you won't be able to get one i know this when i packed my wii u away when i finally retired it i packed it very carefully although to be fair i got i put all the wrappers back around everything i was like maybe in 30 years when i'm ready to retire this might be actually worth something i think almost everything of value on that system is going to get ported forward to the switch probably eventually. i mean like yeah. maybe not tokyo mirage, mirage sessions, sessions. Yeah. Although they should. Yeah, they should. that's probably like, the one that they should. Like anything that is even halfway decent on the Wii U should be ported forward, including, I think, the HD Zeldas. Yeah. Um, because why not? Why not? Yeah. Like more content for the Switch. Tons of people didn't play anything like that on the Wii U. There's no reason not to keep your, your HD remasters evergreen for the Zelda series, especially because moving forward, the Zelda series is going to be very different from what those games are. Yeah, absolutely. So it's more variety. Uh, I, I would. I think we will probably see a day when when the Wii U is kind of pointless, except for maybe like I don't know that Fatal Frame game that was right, on it yeah. and like stuff, yeah. stuff like that. Um, I, I still kept my. I never get rid of a system. Neither. Never get rid of hardware. Yeah. Games, yes, you can always pick up a game again, but hardware, you'll always regret getting rid of hardware. Yeah. Well, eventually. I, I always keep all the hardware. I have every console I've ever owned still. Mm -hmm. I've, I never sell it after I'm quote unquote done with it. I even have trouble getting rid of them when they stop working. Yeah, like well, I, my GameCube I is broken. Attached. I have a I have a GameCube that when I worked at GameSpot, the whole editorial team at GameSpot, we sent them out to this company called Custom Consoles or something mm -hmm. like that, and we got all of us got our GameCubes modded, and they did it for free, and then we did like a feature on them as like a thank you or whatever. And I have a metallic forest green GameCube with a blue LED light and an import switch on the side. So I just flip a switch and I can play Japanese games. And uh, it's, it has discrete errors. It won't read. But yeah. I have not thrown it out. Because I'm like, well, this thing's been modded. And like, I think I'd rather, if I can find somebody to fix the disk drive, which probably will never happen. Yeah. I used to have a, the first And modded... it's also the DOL-1, which has yeah, the, the... Digital out. Yeah. The yeah. uh, first mod thing I ever did was I took a, uh, my Saturn in to a, a, a store in Burlingame called Network Video. And uh, they did they did mods there, and I wanted to play X Men versus Street Fighter, the yeah. Japanese version. So I went in and they did, had it done a little toggle switch in the back of the Saturn. You could switch between uh, Japanese and U.S. And I still have it. The toggle switch is long, basically corroded into oh, nothing. Really? But it's stuck on Japan. <laughs> so, which is kind of preferable yeah, because yeah. like. Okay, I can, still import, play the, yeah. I can still play all the Japanese stuff I have, right. uh, to, and to get a, I mean, you can get a U.S. Saturn for like 20 bucks on eBay, Yeah. So, uh, which I did, so everything's fine. I but, think they um, broke my console, but honestly. That was, I mean, I think once you're soldering stuff onto something, you're going you're, you're gonna to cause some kind of issue. And I, that certainly happened with everything I had modded back in the day. I had a, I had a mod-chipped uh, PlayStation 1 to play Japanese stuff, and that stopped working after a while. It got to, it did that eventually, of course, they all did. They did that thing where you had to turn it upside yeah. down. Or on its work, side, and was, yeah. yeah and, and it was one of the ones with the, the, with the AV out. Oh. With the, the, you know, the one that the DJs like. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, which I still think is bullshit. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> I was a DJ during the PlayStation era. Definitely, we did not look at that system uh, that oh way. Oh, boy. And I, got, I eventually got rid of it because it stopped working. I replaced yeah. it with a new one, and I sold it to one of my DJ friends for, like, way more than it was wow. worth because he, he was going to fix it. Right, right. And he did. Yeah, I, uh, I think they broke my console. It worked when it came back, but it worked for, like, another, like, four months. And yeah. I started getting like discrete errors here and there. Yeah. Well, also the GameCube, uh, my my launch GameCube died. Um, Did it for no reason, like out oh, of nowhere. Okay. That's how I Maybe learned. That's how coming. I learned about the difference between the uh, the two versions because it died, and uh, I had a black one, a black launch GameCube, and it died on me. And I went to go replace it, and I bought a new one. I came home, and it didn't have the freaking digital out. <laughs> I like, <laughs> yeah. like clang clang clang. What the fuck? Yeah. So I had to go back to Best Buy. And the Best Buy guy and I like searched through. Like you could kind of pry the little thing where you can see, see, the, the cereal, you see the cereal yeah. number. We pry it out, open a little bit, you can see where the, see the, where it got one. And I did, we had to dig through like 40 of them to wow. find one that still was the old model. But yeah. I got one, it worked. That's the one I still have. Yeah. But uh, the, only, the only game system uh, of that generation that did not die on me was the original Xbox. Yeah, my, that thing was a tank. I don't think you could. I don't I'm, think you could make. I'm it actually pretty sure that my my original Xbox doesn't work anymore though because of the diode. Uh, leak, oh, I the, forgot the about capacitor that. leaking oh, problem. That's right. Yeah. I never. I haven't turned mine on in like 15. Neither. Years. But I, it's funny. The the I was a. I thought about it like right after I moved. I'm like I would like to play Crimson Skies again. Yeah. And I thought about it. And then that day they announced Crimson Skies was coming to backwards right. compatibility. I'm like I'll just wait two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. cool. No, like, you have to dig that thing up. You have to find like the proprietary cable for it, yeah. like the AV cable. It isn't just something you can use from anything. No, like, it's all it's all individual. I have them all in a box somewhere, but it's like I could go dig through all the boxes I own to find it, or I could just wait. Yep. And Crimson Skies will come out, and I'll just put. And the it'll disc look in. better and play better, yeah. and yeah. Just put the disc in, and there it goes. Yep. I, that Xbox One X, I love it, but I haven't played it. I played very few things that came out less than three years ago. On yeah, it. he used a lot for backwards compatibility, yeah. which is great. So there you go, that's Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Um, again, if you're a completionist, I recommend buying it for 40 bucks. If you're not, I guess I, ultimately I would say, if you have a Wii U, just find the Wii U version. You have to be able to find the Wii U version cheaper than 40 bucks, I'm guessing. Mm. But you're not gonna get the Super Mario Odyssey know. levels, so. I don't know. It's a trade-off, but maybe Nintendo is smart in how it priced it, because I have a feeling a lot of Nintendo fans will feel how I feel, but because they're big time Nintendo fans, they'll be like, it's 10 bucks. Huh. Totally worth it. That's what I'm guessing anyway. For so, what? For a treasure. If they're saying that 10 bucks from 30 to 40, mm. they'll say, eh, whatever. I'll spend the extra 10 bucks. It is a good handheld game, yeah, which maybe. gives it a little bit of a bonus. One, one day. One, <laughs> one day. My goal is to see Matt playing the Switch undocked. One mm. day. <laughs> I don't know what that would take. Yeah. <laughs> You'd probably have to get a job where you travel a lot. Nope. Still then you wouldn't? You play games on your cell phone instead? No, I'd bring the 3DS. Nah. Yeah. Good point. More compact, closes up, doesn't require a separate case. Yeah. Longer games, bite-sized games. Like, I'll play Fire Emblem on a plane until they land. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Longer battery life. So what happens when the Fire Emblem for Switch comes out? I'll play that too, but I'm going to play it at home. But would you play it? Would you then play it handheld? No. No. Because I can play it on TV. I'm never going to pick a smaller, inferior screen with worse yeah. sound no, I when I could play it on my big no, entertainment it, center. It, to like, me, it makes no sense. That. But there's, I think a lot of people are like me, and they only play in handheld whenever the TV's being used by someone else. Or yeah, see, that doesn't else. happen here. Yeah, you're, you're the king of the castle here. You can do whatever well, you she want. She has her own TV. Right. 
yeah. we watch stuff together, but that's when like you know we're you know no one no yeah. one is ever watching something on my one of and then I have another TV in there yeah. if I want to just move the, the a really nice one I might add. So I'm, I'm never at a point where I can't use a TV, which I realize is not the case for most people. Yeah. Um, but because it is the case for me. Why would I ever play it handheld? Yep. So there you go. Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about Comic-Con, which we kind of uh, prefaced a little bit in our intro. Uh, It is going on right now, although I think for most people, well, no, today's the first big day for everybody. Well, it's it's, it's like preview night is Wednesday, and then Thursday's when things start to happen. Yeah, Thursday is like go out and get drunk night before everything starts. Well, most people, like, uh, Thursday's an actual day. Yeah. Of the show, but most people get there on Friday, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are the big days for, yeah. as far as, like, the mass audience showing Yeah, up. but there were yeah. still panels yesterday and things yeah, yeah. happening. Like, the Marvel games. There were still people standing in really long lines. The tremendously disappointing Marvel Games panel was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, well, three out of four things they showed were disappointing. Yeah. That's because they showed a bunch of mobile crap no one cares about, and Spider-Man. Spider-Man's a big deal at Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. And as it should be, because it comes out September 5th, right? Yeah, like 50 days, I think, yeah. they said. And so this is kind of Insomniac and Sony's last chance to really market this thing to... Yeah, I think, I think be, it'll be a Gamescom as well. Yeah, yeah, But, but I'm say, I was going to say to this crowd of people. Yeah, well, I think this crowd of people... The people who are maybe just... They aren't necessarily hardcore gamers, but they love Spider-Man. Right. And maybe they do own a PS4, or maybe not... I Maybe think, this I think a lot of people, them to buy one. I think a lot of people are buying it because like they they showed that special edition PS4, you know, the red with a white spider yeah. logo on it. We're, we're going to get to that in a second. Um, that sold out on Amazon in six hours. Wow! So it's, uh, it's I, I, I said Spider Man's going to sell a lot of systems, a lot of systems. People are into this. Is, they should as they should be. Someone in chat said it's September seventh. Is it the fifth or the seventh? I don't remember. One of those. Days. Whatever the Tuesday is. Yeah. Although it could be a Friday, the way things are going anymore. A lot of games get released on Fridays. So they, sh- they released this trailer we're seeing right now, which is a story trailer, um, which it isn't particularly long. And then as Matt mentioned, the other big story from Comic-Con is that there is a special edition PlayStation 4 Pro mm-hmm. coming for Spider-Man. Surprised that it wasn't a base model and that it's Pro? There hasn't been no. a ton of special Pro versions yet, have there? There was God of War. I think Destiny was. Destiny 2 was. Was Was it? it? I thought it was. I would would expect all special edition things to be a pro at this point. You would think it would make sense because Sony needs to sell the pro. It hasn't sold especially well. Because this thing's clearly going to run better on it. So that's what they want you to play. It's going to make the game look better and and all that. But uh, it's a PS4 Pro. What do you think of the hardware, Matt? Um. You mean like what it looks like? Yeah. I think it looks not great. Yeah. I, mean, I don't like red systems to begin with. And uh, while I am super excited about this game, I am not a giant fan of the white spider logo. So no, that was, yeah. that was a no for me. I'm a no on pretty much every special. And there it is right also, there. Also, I already own one. So I'm a no on pretty much every special edition console. Like I don't like consoles that are mm-hmm. tied to one thing or one I game. Think I think I like the, the, was there anything I liked? I kind of like, I think there was like a Halo one that was sort of like military green or something. I thought yeah, was nice. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have that controller actually. Yeah. I don't have the console, but I have the controller. Um, but yeah, usually a, lot, a lot of the times like the special edition consoles are just not looking too good. I think most of the PS4 ones have looked awful. Like, yeah. they just don't look right or look good. The I, God of War one I thought was okay because you couldn't immediately tell that it was a God of War console by looking at it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you, it kind of had the axe shape on yeah, it. Yeah, well, that's kind of my thing. Is like, I mean, one thing I will say in favor of the Spider-Man one is one of my problems is I feel like a lot of the special edition PlayStation fours just don't go go far enough. Yeah, it's too subtle, or it's like only in the corner, or it's yeah. like something like where this like it's a giant red console with a huge Spider-Man logo. Yeah. on it. great, awesome. I don't like red consoles, and I don't like the white Spider-Man logo. So sorry, but clearly they don't need my help. No. Um, it's selling. Like yeah, it's sold out in fine. six hours. It's I do fine. like the controller a little bit. Like controller with the white, white. No, the white buttons. I love them. Yeah. Nice. I like any controller that has kind of contrasting buttons on it. Yeah, I, I am continually tempted to do the custom Xbox One controller. Yeah, thing. me too. Um, I still haven't done it, but I look at it all the time. I, I've made the, the multiple controllers in the little like you know little like design a thing app, and then I always just back out because I'm just like, oh, that's a lot of money for a yeah. controller I don't need. I'm surprised the trailer didn't show a spin around of the console. It it's just a, shows the front. It's like, just red. <laughs> I, you assume it is. I mean, you don't know. Maybe on Amazon they have more photos of it or whatever. Know. But, but uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of... I always just buy the base model console, black or white. I can't remember the last time I bought a special edition console of anything. I don't think... Because usually I already I've have one. I've never owned one. Usually I already have one, so why would I want another one? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I sent out a GameCube to get redone by this third party. Mm-hmm. But I always buy like the base model and then that's that. Like, even now, if I eventually upgrade to a PS4 Pro, I'm not going to buy the Spider-Man one. I'm not going to buy the God of War one. I will buy the black yeah, like or white. Like, sometimes I would consider, like, a special color one or something. Or, like, a, you know, like I never did get one, but I always kind of like the blazing orange GameCube. Yeah, like, the yeah. orange juice GameCube. Well, did they, they only released that in Japan, though, I think. Did they? Yeah, I don't think it ever came out in the U.S. That yeah. was the thing with the GameCube, though, is that... Japan had tons of That's colors. Right. Yeah. There was a green, like a green aqua one for Tales of Symphonia. Mm-hmm. There was the burnt orange that initially was supposed to come out here. In the marketing for GameCube, they showed the orange one in the lineup. And then when they finally released it, it only came in the black and purple, although they called it blue for whatever weird reason. To me, that's purple, hmm. right? What? The GameCube. Like the main, the standard GameCube? Yeah. Yeah, it's purple. Yeah, Nintendo calls it blue. What? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, it's like that dress meme or whatever, where some people see it as one color or whatever. I don't, mm, I don't remember them calling it. I, I thought they yeah. gave it some weird name though. I don't know. But even anyway, even back I had the black like, one. with I the remember. N64, where they had all those crazy like jelly see-through oh, yeah. color, I just had the black one. Like I've always just been that way. Yeah, well, so. I'm I don't choose that, but I do it because usually I buy a launch system and right. they're normal looking. You know? Yeah. Um, sometimes, but it's like it's always kind of like, oh, that's cool. I'm not gonna get one. You yeah. Know, like, like, why would I replace my? Yeah. You know, at the and nowadays, it's just like, oh, you want to transfer all your damn installed games to like, you know, how how long you spend downloading all your stuff again? Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Like, it it it's for people that don't have a system already, uh, and clearly, it seems to have worked. Yeah. It sold out in six hours. Yeah. So it was, it was gone by the end of the day. That's pretty impressive. I mean, there might be more. I mean, there's no reason they can't make more. But well, their initial, the initial allotment was, I think, yeah, and like that's the right place to do it. Uh, Spider-Man. There's no better place to do it. No, Spider-Man fans, I think, uh, are going to come out of the woodwork. I, I know two people that are that want to buy a PlayStation Four just for for Spider-Man. Yeah, I guess, you know, and they they hadn't even seen all this new stuff yet. Yeah, and probably don't care anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I am. They're like, it's a Spider-Man game. It looks awesome. That's good enough for me. I am interested to see what because I guess you know we've seen the the Super Special Edition, which is also sold out, yeah. which has the statue, right? And whoever he's above. 
is a spoiler, apparently, and apparently the statue is in the in the box is going to come covered with that part of it covered really? with a little note that says you might not want to open this until you get to this part in the game. It's the main bad guy, I'm guessing. So whoever's behind all this stuff. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, let's go through some of the other gaming-related stuff that's going on at Comic-Con. Uh, Call of Duty is there. They're having a panel. Uh, they put out a couple trailers for zombies yesterday. And I think a lot of the games media came out yesterday. It was like mm -hmm. kind of the first real day of the show, and all the publishers were just like, here, this is our Comic-Con stuff. Uh, two more trailers for zombies yesterday. Yeah. One lot, of them features the very original cast from Zombies. Mm. Uh, a lot of a lot of Nazi zombies yesterday. Yeah, it was also a, a J, new J.J. Abrams movie. All right, Overlord. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Treyarch is pushing zombies really hard. Yeah, because it kind of has to. Because it has no campaign. Right. Yeah. Like I saw previews about talking about like the storyline yesterday. Yeah. I'm like story. Oh, the zombies thing. Okay. Right. Like yeah. That's sort of where they're sort of shifting the hey, if you want the narrative, if you want a story game. part of the game, that's it's in the zombies stuff. Yeah. And they're doing a panel. I think it's either. I think it's today actually. Uh, so there might be some more media that comes out of that here in the next few hours because Comic Con ends at like seven eight. Yeah, the, panel, the panels go to 7 or 8, Yeah, if I right. And so there still might be some stuff coming out for Black Ops 4 in the next few hours. Uh, let's see, LEGO DC Supervillains, a game that was completely engulfed and swallowed at E3 mm -hmm. because there's just so much other stuff going on, gets a spotlight at Comic-Con, again, where it should get a spotlight. Uh, the interesting thing of what they showed for this game is uh, character customization, character creation. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how it works. Um... Well, it looks pretty extensive. Yeah, well, that's the idea. Is like you create your own villain, and uh, they showed it in the in the live stream demos uh, at E3, where like you level up or you get new abilities, and then you can choose like, do you want a beam or do you want to like whatever. So like, you pick a beam. Like in the demo, they picked a beam, and then they could pick where, whether it came out of their eyes or their hands or both hands or one hand or their chest or their belt or like what you could pick wherever the, the beam came out of. What kind of beam it was, what it looked like, what color it was, like what like you you have really extensive like creation controls, like customization controls over what your character ends up doing superpower wise. How does it fall in line as far as whether you're a good guy or a bad guy? You're a bad guy. You're always a bad guy. Yeah, you are a DC villain. No matter what. Yeah, that's the trick, is you're, you're a DC supervillain, and you create your own custom villain, and no matter how lame they are, there's already a DC villain that is that already. <laughs> like, <laughs> DC, DC supervillains, <laughs> the DC supervillain uh, roster is wide and deep. Uh, there, there are tons of them. Uh, it's very hard to come up with a, uh, a supervillain type that DC hasn't covered at least three times. I mean, they got four people that, like, like have an honorific followed by freeze or cold in right. their whole th I mean there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of it it's uh so I mean it's, it's a cool I mean I'm kind of are you excited for this I no, mean how do you no, feel about playing a villain not at all no like I, I just not because of villain or DC I'm just tired of Lego games yeah like, me too I tried to play the the Marvel Avengers one and and the uh, and then the Lego Marvel superheroes 2 and I just, I, I just don't care anymore. I, it, it, they don't grab me anymore. They just feel tedious. How do you feel about creating a character in this? Because in a lot of Lego games, kind of half the fun is the fact that there are literally sometimes like a hundred characters mm -hmm. to play as. Well, you can. I'm thinking. And it's fun to kind of try out each one. Are they? You think they're still going to still going to have I'm that? I'm sure you can. You can switch back and forth and play different people. I'm sure. Like that's that's kind of the 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 hook of the Lego games. But right. 
creating, creating your own character. I mean, you've always been able to create like a custom character you could run around as, but like that being the, the main central idea of the game is a new twist. Yeah. So, you know, they are mixing it up a little bit. Like, uh, they kind of need to. But it's like, to me, that's more of a thing that I think I would enjoy if I was a kid. And like creating your own character like that, and like you know, every every kid has their own superhero or supervillain identity in their head, uh, and being able to create that in a, in a Lego game is pretty awesome. But like, for me, not it's not for me. It's it's uh, there's going to be tons of stuff to play this fall, and uh, the idea of going back to play yet another Lego game is not appealing to me, no matter what the theme is, unless. Years and years ago, when we were talking about, oh, now what can, you know, they did like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, yeah. where like, we're talking at, at G4 about what could they do? Like, what would be the other things they could make Lego games out of? And I said, well, my dream Lego series, Lego game that would never happen is Lego James Bond. Yeah. But at Comic Con, they just showed the new set of the Bond Aston Martin. It's a, a collector's set, Lego set of the Bond oh, Aston really? Martin. It's a licensed thing. And I'm like, Maybe. If possible. Like, like <laughs> if they've gone that far, they, they're about to put out a Voltron Lego set. I mean, right. all bets are off at this point. I might, you know, I may have to eat my words at this time, like six years later. Um, you, so a Lego James Bond would absolutely get me back in. But that's about it. Can you think of another developer that has made more money just reskinning the same game than Traveler's Tales? Capcom. Street Fighter. Yeah... I mean, maybe the volume of what Traveler's Tales has done. I mean, is, you think about the money it's made off I mean, of look, these games. Look at that Street Fighter collection. Yeah. I mean, they changed it up here and there, but the first six games are just street, the Street Fighter 2 engine redone over no, and over. No, you're right. I, I just wonder, especially because the market was much smaller back then. Yeah, it's... it's I mean, it's, you think about the money generated now by games. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, but again, I mean, the reuse of assets is, goes, goes way back. Yeah. I mean, that Morrigan sprite... Yeah. Um, was that lasted what? What twenty years? Yeah. Something like that. Like they, they mil- that, that that sprites from like nineteen ninety five. Yeah. And, and she made it all the way up to Marvel versus Capcom three. Like that's the first time I think they redid her outside of the Capcom versus SNK games. It's crazy. Um, they they whoever drew that should have gone for royalties. <laughs> they probably didn't get them. No, got nothing. I'm sure. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Spyro trilogy is now announced as coming to Switch and PC. Uh, that was actually leaked, I believe, a day or two ago, but there, now there's confirmation it's on the official website for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, based upon how well Crash did, why would you not have it on every yeah. flipping platform that you can? No, as long as it's not a problem to port, why not? Uh, it was also announced at Comic-Con that you have the option to toggle between the old version of the soundtrack and the new mm-hmm. version of the soundtrack at any time. So while you're playing, you can just switch back and forth between the music that came on the original disc and what they've kind of recreated for this new remake. And they uh, brought in the original composer for it. Yeah. So, which is kind of a cool so little feature. I mean, the, the fans of Spyro. I've, I've only played the first Spyro uh, back in the day, but fans of Spyro always talk about the music. So that seems like a pretty yeah. wise choice on their part. Yep. Uh, let's see what else from Comic Con. Uh, the Walking Dead. Final seat, not at the show. We'll talk about the show here in a minute. Yeah. Or at least I will. You probably won't. But the Walking Dead video game from Telltale is coming up on its finale. Mm-hmm. Its ultimate finale. Its last season. About freaking time. Yeah. Um, I think we've talked about this before quickly. Uh, and we, but I think we both talked about how we've kind of fallen off with this, mm-hmm. this franchise. And I still read the comics. Do you still read the 
Are they comics or are they graphic novels? Comics. Graphic, are they? Graphic novel is just a fancy way of saying comic. I thought graphic novels were the thicker, like, book no. style. Really? So I even mean, those thick books are called comics? They are comics, yeah. Oh. I mean, you can call them graphic Man, novels. Man, I thought all this time that a comic was the really thin. No, comics And is the com- graphic novels no. were the book produced. No, comics ones. is comics. Interesting. Um, I graphic never novels that. is a term come up with by both the comics industry and uh, book publishers to make them seem like adult content. Oh, interesting. So you would you would say like yeah, so yeah, for a while like you would say graphic novels was like in like Barnes and Noble would be say graphic novels and you'd have the, the bound yeah. collections and right. there like that. But that's literally just the sometimes they'd be called the graphic novel format, uh, which is really just another term for trade paperback. Okay. Um but they are all comics. Okay. Everything is comics. Like comics is vi- you know, the, the visual it. art with word balloons and the whole they are all comics. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Walking Dead is absolutely a comic. Yeah, also because Walking they... Dead does come out as an individual issue every month, and then they collect them into the trade paperbacks, which is how I read them, or I used to now, I just read it digitally um, on Comixology, but uh, yeah. So yeah, they're comics. And um, I mean, this here's, game here's a... has very little to do with no, all, in the comics. The show has very little to do, this has very little to do with the comics. I mean, the comics went a completely different direction, or rather the show... At least show... The, the, the TV show has... Some of the same characters as the yeah, comic. Yeah, the show, the show has the same names and s- vaguely similar settings in places. This is a completely different story that clearly just takes place in the same world. Right. Um, which is fine. That's a, that's a more freeing, you know, there's, it gives you a lot more freedom in terms of storytelling and character work. Uh, so I, you know, I definitely support that because it certainly worked out quite well for them. Um, here's a fun fact. Uh, so back in... Uh, the late, the early, the early '90s, they canceled. Marvel Comics canceled the Transformers tie-in comic because it had been selling dismal sales. It was selling like seventy thousand copies a month. Um, Which today, now would be great. Today, sales. <laughs> Walking Dead sells that every month, right. and it's the number six or seven comic right. every month. Yeah, so, like, that really... is how much that market has shrunk. Yeah. So, yeah, as big as Comic Con is. Comics are a dying medium. Well, the funny part is, is if Comic-Con, a lot of people complain about Comic-Con that it's moved away from being about comics. Well, I'll complain about that all day if you want me to, but it's, right. it's, you can't argue with the success of it. But the I truth just, of the matter is, would Comic-Con even exist still if it was only about comics at this point? Probably not. Yeah. Well, it hasn't been for a long time. You know, I mean, it's not like back in the 90s. By the, the first time it's not like back I went in the 90s, there, they it wasn't po- about comics. Well, no, it wasn't like that. I mean... Star Wars had comics, but Star Wars was a big presence at the one I went to in 1996. There were people running around dressed as Doctor Who and Daleks. I mean, yeah. it, it, it had become a science fiction convention and a nerd convention beyond just the, the scope of comics. It was just yeah. sort of, you know, the biggest one. And the biggest, and it, and it evolved out of, out of the fact that, like, the other thing was San Diego, for whatever reason, because of how it was organized, because of the weather, because of the timing, because of, you know, the longevity. It's been around since the early 70s. Some people may have seen that, uh, an old picture of Stan Lee from the 70s where he's like he's got like a like a leisure suit on and like no shirt and his bushy chest no, hair yeah, I've there seen that the, photo. that's from Comic-Con oh, like, is it? that's from Comic-Con like 1974 <laughs> wow. or something like 7374 wow um so Comic-Con goes back a long time and as you can see from him being at that thing the celebrity comic people would show up it became a, a destination for the big names right. to be at and that just can, kind of continued until they decided to promote uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man there in 2000 
and that got really good buzz, and the movie was a giant hit, and Hollywood decided this is where we promote our nerd stuff now. Yeah. Uh, they are starting to slow down on that a little bit. That, that, that bubble kind of popped with Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Because Scott Pilgrim was the buzz of oh, that Oh, man, Comic-Con, I was at that Comic-Con. And it did nothing I was at, at that office. Comic-Con. That whole town was, was Scott, Scott Pilgrim. It was Scott Pilgrim, the city. Everywhere. Yeah, it was yeah. everywhere. You couldn't go to a party without Scott Pilgrim no. stuff showing up. Yeah. Even if it wasn't sponsored right. by yeah. Scott Pilgrim. It was just, that, that was everywhere. And then the movie tanked. Yeah, the movie did not And do that, that was the cautionary tale for all the studios. Yeah, that was the moment where everybody's sort of like, oh, okay, maybe we need to three things. And they're, they're, not, they're not pulling out or anything. Well, I and think now, there was and a now they're arguing there. whether they're going to move it to Vegas. Yeah. Um, then you, it's funny because like, when you talk about moving to Vegas, people talk about how people complain like oh if you move it to vegas part of its identity is in san diego so you move it to another city that convention is no longer be the same convention i'm like man that the san diego comic-con <laughs> died in 2001 right, yeah. like, it, like the people that started that convention and went to it for 20 30 years like don't yeah. rem- don't recognize it anymore and they probably so, don't go either so you're literally just moving a corporate event more or less yeah. to a venue that can handle it although there's a there's a ballot measure in november in san diego to earmark more funding to convince Comic-Con to stay oh, really? longer. I think for a lot of people to go to Comic-Con, it's really just a chance to see celebrities in the flesh. Yeah, I mean... I, Where they guarantee they know they're going to see them. Because people come oh, to yeah. L.A., and I would say probably 80% of the people who come to visit me here from somewhere else, before they leave, we do see at least, at least one celebrity. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Between like, going to restaurants and going to Hollywood. You're not waiting 12 hours in line for Hall H to see the Supernatural panel because you want to find out what the new season's about. Right. You want to see Sam Dean and Castile standing together with your own eyes. It's, it's bizarre to me how much people care about just seeing a celebrity. Yeah. And maybe part of it just living in L.A. where you see them all the time and you just don't care. And you re- or you work with them you and you realize they're just some dude... Or just mm-hmm. some girl. Well, you remember the time a few years ago when somebody, like, there was a dispute over seats and somebody stabbed the other person That's in the eye right. with a pen? I was there. I was at that Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't you stabbing with a pen, <laughs> it was, was it? was definitely no. not. I do not give a crap about <laughs> celebrities. Like, zero zilch none. Uh, but, yeah, it's been... Is there no, like, weird celebrity that, like, we could suddenly bring in here and you would, like, freak out about, like, anyone? Like, a, like I mean, a DJ honestly, person or, like, a be, skating person? It would be people that... Someone that most people wouldn't care about. Right. Yeah. Like if Rodney Mullen, like if he walked in the door, I would immediately get up out of this chair mm-hmm. and like go over and say hello to him. But most of the people <laughs> that I would do that for are people that the average person would be like, who the hell is right. that? Like, well, to be fair, a lot of the people that people are doing this for at Comic-Con are people that most people would say, who the hell is that? No, you're right. <laughs> like most people right. don't know who the guys on Supernatural are. I mean, yeah. it's a big, sh- it's a big, uh, you know, hit show. Yeah. But like, you know, the majority, you know, only like... 10 million, pe- 10 million people or so watch that show. There's, a, there's 320 million people in the yeah. country. There's 340 million. Most people don't know who those people are. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's all about what's important to you. I would never wait in line just to... I might wait in line to, like, hang out with somebody like that, but you're never going to do that because that's not how that works. Yeah. Like, I don't care about just seeing someone on a stage there. And if I was going to do that... Well, you I saw would... them with your own eyes, Matt. Yeah, but, like, the other thing is, like, if you're just going to sit up there and answer questions. You breathe the same air they were breathing, man. You know, one of the big, <laughs> one of the most like biggest like celebrity in person things I've ever done was when I, I went on a, uh, a trip to New York my senior year of high school with the drama class and we, uh, we saw Broadway shows and the first one we went to was Beauty and the Beast and Belle's father was played by Tom Bosley. The father. A Mr. lot of Mr. people watching this right yeah, now don't know who the hell no that idea is. Who Tom Bosley Mr. Cunningham from, from Happy, Happy Days. Days. <laughs> And there was this moment where I'm like, 
Mr. C is right there. Like, yeah. I, 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 it blew my mind that that Mr. C Tom Bosley was like performing in front of me. Yeah, yeah. And that whole week was like that. That like that, and like we went to see Laughter on Twenty Third Floor. Nathan Lane was the lead, and one of the one of the other newspaper um, uh, reporter guys was the guy who played Cousin Larry on Perfect Strangers. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, it's Cousin Larry. Like, like, so to me, it's exciting to see celebrities perform yeah, in front of yeah. me. To just see them sit at a table and talk Sign about their job is not that interesting whatever. to me. Yeah. I would like to see them perform. Like, yeah. you know, and that's a cool thing here. Like you, can yeah. go see, you can go see Ed Asner in a stage show about twice a year in LA. I mean, Ed Asner... And again, no again, one knows who Ed Asner is. Like, who the hell's Ed Asner? To me, he's the boss from Mary, the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, to you, he may have been a bad guy on Captain Planet, yeah, depending yeah, on your age. Maybe. I don't know who you would know Ed Asner as at this point. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, he was the he's the grumpy Jedi Master in Knights of the Old Republic. All right. Uh, yeah. Master Vruk, I think, was his name. Yeah. There you go. Uh, let's get through the other game stuff before we move on to some pop culture stuff. Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider's having a panel tomorrow. Does that, I guess that makes sense because there are Tomb Raider movies. Yeah. <laughs> and what else does Square have to show? I mean, they sure as hell didn't show any Marvel games. I mean, one th yeah, you're right. Like, what's up with the I'm Marvel tired of this. game? Like, yeah. like, show me something. Yeah. Had you said you thought maybe they might show it at Comic-Con? Yeah, oh, I thought they might show it at Comic-Con. Just because there had been activity and Joe Russo had shown up to E3 and it felt like they were warming up to something and it's been a couple years. Like, get on with it. It's maybe funny. I mean, Crystal Dynamics is working on it, so maybe they're waiting to get Rise of the Tomb Raider out, or Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I can't even keep track. Who, yeah. I mean, is she rising? Is she shading? Is she rising, becoming the Tomb Raider? Is she the Tomb Raider yet? Does she have a second <laughs> gun yet? No. Like, I'm going to enjoy it and sneak around and kill people from bushes, but I mean, seriously, like, is she the Tomb Raider yet? No. Like, but it is funny. There? I mean, this is where you kind of see bumper marketing taking hold because yeah. if Tomb Raider had never had a movie, Tomb Raider would not be at Comic-Con right now. So this is a case where you have a property that's a video game property. You somehow get movies made based upon the property and suddenly this... Somehow is a good choice right, of word there. exactly. Because Lara Croft is not a character when right. you think about it. Yeah, like, yeah. She's like a pair of cargo shorts and boobs yeah, that yeah. is an excuse to jump on yeah, things. Right. Like. There's nothing there. Like You're it's right. not like you'd be like, we want to adapt the rich story of Tomb Raider into a cinematic. Like there's nothing there. Well, they've been like, trying to do that with the last few games at least. They do that with Hitman all the time too. Agent yeah. 47 is not a character. No, he, <laughs> but it is funny how once you make a movie, all of a sudden things like Comic-Con open up yeah. just for the game. Because the Tomb Raider movie came out, what, two months ago? Something like that? That was longer ago. I mean, that. it's not like they're going to have bombed, like so a panel not, yeah. for it, but here they are having a panel for Tomb Raider at Comic-Con because yeah. there also, was a movie. Well, also, like, the, San Diego Comic-Con has expanded to include pretty much every, every element of geekdom and nerddom, and so, like, you can do video game panels there. Yeah, I think, actually, Smash Brothers is at yeah. Comic-Con. Nintendo's which, been at Comic-Con for are, years. Well, Nintendo goes to Comic-Con. They, they don't go to Tokyo Game Show, no, but they right. go to Comic-Con. Which is really weird. Although, I think Nintendo's going to be at TGS this year. Yeah. Not in official Not official, capacity. but they're going to do some they're stuff. They're actually going to be yeah. there for, like, wow. the first time. Because normally, it was like, remember when like, they showed the Wii off for the first time? It was still Codename Revolution. They're like, yeah. oh, we're just going to have a, an event, coincidentally, the same week as this. Like, when they wouldn't admit it. They're when all like, the Western <laughs> journalists yeah. are in town. And it's just like, yeah, because it's TGS. And we're all it's like, no, we just thought we'd do it. Oh, it's just it's nice yeah, that it's it that. 
worked out bro. that way. Yeah, <laughs> that's not how we it didn't. X Play didn't have their game of the year show the same week as the game is the 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 VGAs. the VGAs for no reason. Right? Either. Yeah, Come yeah. on, it just worked out that we know, way. We know what the score is. <laughs> please. Uh, let's see. And then lastly, there's a Blizzard panel that happens tomorrow, mm. which I'm guessing will mostly be Overwatch. I think they're I unveiling think so. a new character, maybe. Um. I don't know. They already they just unveiled the hamster. Yeah, I think um, that launched yesterday. Did it? The I new character? Know. Yeah, I think it did. Um, but I think they're announcing something for Overwatch at that the Blizzard. Make also, they're about to hit the uh, the finals. Right. The Overwatch League finals. Yeah. Next week, I think. Yeah. Which uh, how those have been doing? I know the initial foray into over, esports for Overwatch did not go well. Has uh, it gotten better? In the sense of viewership? Or viewership and quality, being I able mean, to follow the matches. I have some trouble trying to follow. I mean, I don't have trouble following the matches in terms of what's happening in the actual match, but their scoring system is very arcane to me because it's it's not based on how many matches you win. It's based on how many ticks of the the objective thing right. you accomplish. And, yeah. like, that's weird. To me. I'm like, why isn't it just you won? Yeah. And so you win. <laughs> um, and then, like, you can have ties, which I think is strange. And, like... I, so I just, and they never like, you know, because everyone watching for the most part understands what's happening. So they never have a moment where they sit down and just be like, oh, by the way, the scoring system works like this, this, and this. They never yeah. do that. So I just sort of sit there and hope I understand. You know, I'm like, I don't know. Those guys won. Sure. I'll go with that. So that's a little annoying to me, but like I can follow the, the general match play. Yeah. Um, viewership, they seem to get about 100,000 for the most part. I imagine that will go, that's been going up because now the, the semifinals are right. in play. The playoffs are in play. Um, but I haven't been paying a ton of attention. Uh, my girlfriend's been out of town, so... <laughs> You're out of the loop. That, that means I'm not <laughs> exposed to it the way I normally am. Um, I'll probably watch the finals just to see what happens. Yeah. I guess the one caveat with us talking about Comic-Con so much is that nobody can watch any of this. Like, you'll get the stuff. We'll curate all the stuff that comes out of the show, but, like, the panels, all that stuff, you can't watch any of that. Oh, no. There's no live stream for Comic-Con, which is really weird. Well, at we, this we point, had, we had that fight with them a lot. Yeah. Uh, when when we you know because G4 was the official partner, broadcast partner. Yeah. And we wanted to show some of these things, and that was the whole thing. Is like the organiz organizers of it insist that if you broadcast or live stream the stuff, you lose what's special about it, and people won't want to come anymore. And that's I'm like, probably true. I don't think it is because of the exact thing you said, where people line up for hours to Just see their to celebrities see the celebrities. and celebrities. Like yeah. that doesn't go away if you're yeah. if you're. But I would pay like a, a nominal fee to watch the panels, just because one of the reasons I don't go to Comic Con is because I would I would like to watch the panels, but I don't want to sit in line for four hours for everything. Maybe uh, Comic Con does something where they set up a pay per view. Blizzard's done pay per views before, mm -hmm. and they you have to pay and you can watch the well, panels. Also, BlizzCon is live streamed. To Helen back and people go to that. Right. That's a good point. That's I mean, true. part of that is because everybody wants those super valuable codes and tchotchke and, yeah. gift bags and stuff. Yeah. But I feel like there's more, you, know, you don't travel across the country or from another country to go to Anaheim and see this thing if you just wanted a bag with a panda pet in it. Like, yeah. there's more to it than that. There's the experience of being there and doing that. And I don't think that goes away even if you can watch a, you know, watch a panel about Doctor Who on your laptop. Like, because look, I'm not going at all and spending right. any money at all They're not on getting Comic Con right yeah. now. Like the only way you're getting it is either you cut attendance by like two thirds, yeah. or you let me just pay to watch these things online. Yeah, could um, be a whole other revenue stream for absolutely Comic -Con. should be. Yeah, and there's uh, a lot of people who live all and, around the country who can't afford to spend right. like thousands, three thousands, thousands of dollars, thousands yeah. of dollars, and then you go in and you spend another. A couple hundred dollars oh, yeah. on stuff that you wanted to buy, including food. It's not a cheap trip, although no. it is San Diego, which is 
You could con the wife into saying, we're going on a vacation to San Diego. Yeah, San Diego. Spend, you know, spend a, a, a decoy night or two in Coronado. Right. And like, yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> a decoy night. The camo <laughs> night. <laughs> well, as long as we're here, yeah, here's a badge. You know? <laughs> Ta-da. All right, let's talk. Uh, so that's pretty much all the game stuff that's going on. It's kind of light for Comic-Con, I think. Um, usually it seems like there's more. Resident Evil 2 is there as well, but they're showing the same stuff that they did at E3. Yeah, I mean, there, there usually isn't a whole lot of game news coming out of Cap, out of uh, Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, I remember one, one year, uh, Capcom's plan for Marvel, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 uh, Ultimate, I think it was, was to announce all the new DLC characters, or the new characters for the, the second version of that, at Comic-Con, and then the key art leaked through their own website because somebody put it in the that. wrong yeah, place. Yeah. Oh, they were so <laughs> mad. Because they couldn't get mad at anyone right. because yeah. they screwed they it up. The like, they made yeah. yeah. And uh, Well, they got mad at one person. Yeah, whoever that was, yeah. <laughs> I did make the mistake because, like, you know, Phoenix Wright and all these, and, and I texted Seth Killian, and I was, I was just like, oh, that's so cool. He's like, yeah, Real great. cool, bro. Super cool. <laughs> Would have been cooler an hour from now. And I'm like, sorry. <laughs> Well, you probably talk, don't want to hear about that right now. Let's talk quickly about some uh, TV and movie stuff. Uh, the pretty, pretty much the biggest story from Comic-Con actually had very little to do with Comic-Con, and that's that James Gunn hmm. has been fired as the director of... Uh, what's, the, what's the franchise again? Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Of the Galaxy. Three. He had directed the first two. First one did amazing. Second one did even better. Third one probably would have done better. Yeah. But they went they, back they and probably dug still up. Will, really. They went back and dug up a bunch of his old tweets. Well, not they. Well, the guy who came. When up I say with, they, that could be anybody. Well, it's the guy who invented the PizzaGate thing. Oh. The the thing where where Hillary Clinton was running a right, child right. trafficking ring out of, out of a, pizzeria a pizza joint. Yeah. Is the same guy. <laughs> he went back and found a bunch of really vile yeah. tweets by James Gunn from 2009. Like a lot. It's not like one or two. It's like dozens and dozens. I have to, I don't know if you guys remember or not. I don't know why that was. Like, I have talked on this show about James. Yeah, you Gunn have mentioned because that I worked with him for about a year and a half. Had a couple of meetings with him. We did this show. I was running Spike.com, and we did a show called PG Porn. Again, I've talked about it on the show. Go watch it. Find it. It's hilarious. We were doing this show with him, and then we went to CES and AVN and worked with him for a week straight. And AVN is like a big porn convention that they have while CES is going on right next to CES. It's the weirdest thing ever. And I worked with him for a week, and I was like, holy cow, this guy's crazy. Like, he's a maniac. <laughs> and I kind of knew that already, just talking to him on the phone. He's very aggressive, and he would like, if we would say, hey, we need to cut this shot because standards and practices says we can't run it as is, he would call standards and practices and get in arguments with him, blah, blah, blah. So I always knew he was a loose cannon. Having worked with him at a porn convention, I also knew that... His humor was a little bit off kilter and a little ribald, to put it nicely. And I'm, I, was, I was shocked to find out that he was going to direct a huge film, basically for Disney. Because mm -hmm. uh, I knew about I knew he had a sordid past. Well, anyone who watched Super yeah. uh, shouldn't, would not be surprised at the type of humor that's in this. My question is, like, how do you not go back and wipe all of that know. the instant you get a job for Disney. I mean, we went to that porn convention to shoot fun segments or whatever. Every single person knew him by name. Yeah, of course. Like, usually when you're a producer and you're working with talent, you have to walk up, you have to say, hey, this is my talent, this is blah, 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 he's gonna do an interview. Everybody was just like, James, and would just give him a hug. Hmm. I'm like, he knows everybody in porn already. I should have known that because he got real 
porn actors to work in PG porn. That's true. But we went in there and everybody knew him. It's like he was a part of the industry. And I was like, to be fair, wow. we, we know other people who everyone would know at, at those conventions. Yeah, probably. Too. You cover that stuff long. I mean, I don't know what he was doing there. I assume. We were promoting PG porn. Yeah. Like, he was, ba- it was basically like a big marketing thing where we just went around and did fun segments to, yeah. as, as promotional I mean, also, like, porn. if you live in the Valley or in the, the LA area, you're going to know porn actors. Yeah, like, you're right. I, I, yeah. I knew a whole bunch of them when I lived up in Woodland Hills in the Valley. Like, you just meet them, they're, they're your neighbors. Yeah, it's a big industry here. Yeah. Or in the Valley, at least it is. So, I'm not surprised at all mm-hmm. that this happened at all like i'm shocked that it didn't that it didn't happen earlier i'm also well, shocked, shocked like that, you like, said why did he not go back and clean all that up not that somebody couldn't have gone back and still got that stuff they right. could use google cash or whatever and still got found but it still it would have taken a lot more work to been get. harder yeah and yeah. like i don't know it's just i mean disney had to know when i mean they do their research i knew what who james gunn was how did they not also like he hasn't done that in a long time he's a very different person now than he was say like you know 2011 or so yeah Um, that's about when it was yeah we i mean we did stuff with him for lollipop chainsaw and he was the same kind of you know he he was a very raunchy dude um you know it was a different time i guess and uh you can tell, like when you look at the tweets, it's, it's they're vile and really gross, and they're not funny. Yeah. Um, but like you can tell, he's just trying to be provocative. He's trying to be, like, he's trying to shock you. He's trying. Well, that to was be... his excuse that he replied with, is that I thought of myself as a prov- provo- provocateur. Provocateur. Yeah, I can't believe I can't I thought say his, that. his apology was pretty solid. I mean, it, w- yeah. it wasn't an uh, I apologize if I offended you thing. It was like, yeah, yeah I, I screwed up, me. and I accept yeah. the consequences, and <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be better. And I apologize to everybody, and I'm out. I so, mean, I'll put it to you this way. The amount of money he's made off those last couple films, I, I know for gonna, a fact oh, that when I worked with him, he never could have dreamed he would ever make that kind of money. Oh, he has no... I mean, I, I ran into him at a party, at a Christmas party, uh, be, the, uh, the, the Christmas before Guardians 1 came out. And I asked him, like, how's it, go- you know, how's it going on the thing? Because, like, you know, I was curious. Like, you know, this guy has suddenly elevated this level... Uh, Guardians is a completely unknown property, even to me as someone who was a huge comic book nerd. I had to look up what Guardians of the Galaxy was when they yeah. announced it. And he's like, "Yeah, we're in post. We're working on it. It's going pretty well. I think it's. I think it's good." And I'm yeah. like, "I'm like, are you? Do you have to do like certain things?" They go. He's like, "They're letting us do whatever we want, and I don't understand <laughs> it." Like, he's like, "He's like, there's no like." He was. He was. He was like, "I'm. More, you know, we're working on it, and I hope it's good. I hope you like it. I hope it's good." Like he was. Like he, he was. He was super humble about it. He just was, to let like, you know the level he was on when I was working with him. And he was not was... at all like when we interviewed him for Chainsaw, Lollipop Chainsaw. Yeah. Because then he was like, "Yeah, we're all dudes. We're all gonna yeah. you know, make some crazy stuff." Right? You know, he's the super indie filmmaker. Like, you know, he's a trauma dude. He's yeah. A, he's trauma films. Like that's yeah. that's the, they they thrive. That the whole kind of subculture thrives on kind of the shock jock style sort of you know, guts and gore and kind of like, oh, look at this. Can you believe we made this movie? Can you believe we made something like Poultrygeist and stuff yeah. like that? Um, it's it, it's it's a totally different world he was in. I mean, it was a totally different world because he... PG porn, like, we tried it as an experiment and it just exploded. Literally, like, the first episode did just, like, on iFilm back in the day, which was kind of the precursor to YouTube, did, like, five million views in, like, three days or whatever. And that was the litmus test before we decided what we were going to pay him. And uh, after that blew up, he calls me and he's like, hey, you know, we want 10000 per episode. And I just, I laughed. I was like, dude, who, who are you talking to? Like, it's digital. Like, you, you know how many ads we have to serve to get that money back? Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, just do the best you can. He's like, I trust you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> 
So I went and talked and like looked at the budget that we had and I was like, okay, the max we can probably give them is like $3,000 prep. And even that was like pushing it hardcore. And so I call him back. I'm like three grand per episode. He's like three grand. Hell yeah. He like, he was stoked <laughs> over $3,000. And that was literally like 2009 to like 2011, 2012. That was not that long ago, man, that mm -hmm. we were working with him, and he was happy with that amount of money. Yeah. Well, I'm, so I'm that surprised. is how his start. So to him, I'm sure he's just like, bro, I'm paying with house money. I can't even imagine how much money he's made off those last two films. I'm just a little, I'm a little surprised that Disney reacted. I mean, on one hand, like, I mean, look, if I was in charge at Disney, I probably wouldn't have hired him in the first place. If you do yeah. your research on, on that, like, I, I was like, oh, this isn't really our brand. Or if we, if we did hire him, I'd be like, okay, you got to purge that yeah clean up your feed you gotta yeah so because if this comes out eventually like you're, you're not a very disney friendly creature at yeah. this point um but like you had to know what his deal was uh in the first place and like they clearly like his work to the point that he was the first director in the marvel cinematic universe to ever get his name above the title right you know yeah. they, they, if you watch guardians of the galaxy yeah. they, they the, the credits listed as a james gunn film and no one had ever gotten that credit before yeah. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they didn't even tell him they were doing it. Yeah. They just put it up, and the first time he saw it was when he saw like one of the one of the early screenings, and he's like, "Oh my god, like where'd that come?" They're like, "They're like, well, it was your movie in such a weird, such a solid way. We thought it should be called a James yeah. Gunn film." And I'm like, "It's weird that, that they wouldn't be ready to to face a little bit of backlash uh, in the name of that." But it's so many of his the the jokes and weird things he said and like gross things he said were about children. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's they just didn't. No, have they had choice. to get rid of him. There's there's no debate about that. That's a very hard spin. Yeah. <laughs> so. So that's one of the stories that's come, kind of come out of Comic-Con. Uh, personally, one of the It had nothing stories, to do with Comic-Con. Really. It really didn't. He, it he, just he, happened during Comic-Con. He was Comic -Con. there, and he was supposed to be at the Sony panel, panel tonight, and they announced he's not going to be, which is and not a shock to anybody. And then all the other stuff came out. And, yeah. uh, no, that, the, the announcement he's not going to be at the panel was after all that. It was at like 3.30 today. Because right. he, he had a panel at 6.15 tonight, which I guess already didn't because he's just going to be at the Sony panel to talk about some indie movie he's been producing. Yeah. It's not even his direction. He's not even directing it. Yeah. My other question is does, does this affect his brother, Sean Gunn, who does all of the mocap work on not mocap work, but he does the performance of Rocket on set. Uh, he's the he's the the body, you yeah. know, that basically is there interacting with the other actors right. as Rocket and they use his performance as sort of a physical model for how to animate the character and anyone who knows how important like say Peter Mayhew is to how Chewbacca moves right knows that if you change or, or Andy Serkis as anyone you're an actor you're if, still if an you actor. change yeah. that actor that character is gonna feel different yeah and so I hope that some that Disney doesn't also sever ties with Sean because I don't see why they should possible I mean still. I have no idea maybe they Guilt make by association yeah, it could be maybe they make all the same jokes I don't know, I yeah. don't know. who knows but like I would hope that Sean Gunn would still continue to get to mocap ratchet, rocket ratchet, um, <laughs> rocket because Rocket is, uh, I think, a, an exceptionally well-realized character. It'd be a shame to kind of disrupt that already. Then it's already going to be disrupted by having to find a new director for Guardians Three. Yeah, uh, I would like to see them offer to Taika Waititi, um, who directed Ragnarok, um, but I feel like he might just be he might be done. With, he, he really seemed to indicate that Ragnarok was this one shot of the Marvel movies, and he might come back to be Korg, the rock guy, because he he did he right. played Korg, the rock guy in yeah. Ragnarok. He might come back to do that. I don't know if he'd be up for coming back to direct a whole new movie, but I think he would nail the tone in a similar way.
But yeah. we might see Guardians 3 get pushed now because oh, Gun, Gun undoubtedly did, Gun did, be pushed. Well, Gunn did write the script, and apparently that's done, but I feel like they're probably not going to want to use his work now. So That would be dumb. I don't know. They might just not want his name on that at all. It's I mean, you could probably negotiate with a writer's guild somehow to, to yeah. take his name off it. Because I'm uh, sure he'll be happy to take the money that he gets paid for the sure. script, though. Sure. Uh, selfishly, the only thing that really came out of Comic-Con for me, pop culture-wise, that I've noticed is some information about the TV show The Walking Dead. I know you don't watch it. And honestly, a lot of people don't watch it anymore. They've kind of fallen off. And I would agree. I think The Walking Dead is yeah. not, has become a not good television show. Well, it's, a, it's a mercy killing at this point that they're ending it after this season, probably. Um, well, they haven't announced that they're ending it after this season, but two of the biggest stars... If Rick leaves, the show's over. Rick is leaving. Yeah, the show's over. Yeah. Like, the... I mean, even even uh, the the creator of the comics said like the story is Rick. Like the story is about Rick's life. Well, Rick and, is and, still going in the comics. Yeah, but like that's the thing. He's like this comic will end when Rick dies. That's it. And so if Rick goes away from the show, I feel like you've lost your center. Well, Norman Reedus just signed a twenty million dollar contract. Oh boy. So what's going to happen is Rick's going to be killed off. Also, Maggie apparently is not re-signing after. Do you remember Maggie? Vaguely. She may not even be in the comics. I don't know. She is in the comics, but I mean, at this she's point, become like, at this point, nothing in the comics is like, yeah. helps you know anything about the show. Like, she's become like the backup leader behind Rick at this point. Okay. And so she's a big part of the show, and she's apparently one more season and gone. And she has like some other gig or whatever. Well, they're on what so, season nine? I think it's coming up like, season yeah. nine. So it looks like Norman Reedus is going to end up becoming like the new Rick or whatever, or take the lead on the show. I don't know. Um, but to be honest with you, The Walking Dead, for me personally, has just been getting almost unwatchable. I still do watch it every week. Um, I but bailed out at the end, at the beginning of season two. The farm. A lot of the, people the, did. No, the, the episode where they spent the whole episode, the whole hour trying to get a zombie out of the well. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Was, that was the one. That, uh, and they're like, oh, it's good. we can't break it or, or damage it because it it's, it's, it's a corpse in the water. It's already <laughs> contaminated, you weirdos. Like a, and then they freak yeah. out because they break it in half and the whole thing like goops into the it water. It is gross. It's, I oh, remember super that gross, scene. But it's like, like, none of this makes any freaking sense. Like, it's like There's a corpse yeah. in the water. Like You're all going to get dysentery or something. Like You can't do that. Fear of the Walking Dead, though, on the other hand, I think is a really good show. And it's undoubtedly become way better than the original. Um, and that's going to keep going. It's really good. I, it started slow. Now I think it's is way, Is that the one better. in L.A.? It started in L.A., okay. but it's all over the western seaboard. Mm -hmm. It's like L.A., San Diego, Mexico, like the, this whole kind of area, Arizona. I don't think anyone calls it the western seaboard. That's an eastern thing. Did I make that up? Yeah. <laughs> it's just the west coast. Eastern nice. seaboard is a different... That's, a, that's, a, that's an east coast thing. Well, now we know. We live on the western seaboard. <laughs> <Is that> not... <laughs> we'll have to look that up on Google yeah, I've never later. heard anyone call it that. Yeah. So I think, you're, you're, I think the transplant is uh, it's possible. bringing some terminology west it here. It could. Uh, but other than that, I, nothing else that came out of Comic-Con really caught my eye. What about anything that kind of stood out for you? No. I mean, Hot Toys showed some cool stuff. Uh, I'm probably going to buy that Hot Toys Shuri figure. Um, uh, Any film announcements or anything that you? I mean, were uh, I will by probably or? see Overlord. It's just the right amount of dumb. Uh, that's just a J.J. Abrams. I don't know if he's directing. I think he's producing producing it. But basically, it's it's World War Two, D-Day. Everybody parachutes in and you know storms the beach, and the and the Nazis are they they, they they get lost or whatever, and they find like a Nazi like secret lab thing, and they're making Nazi zombies. 
and monsters and weird shit. And it's like a horror movie with Nazi monsters. It almost sounds like cool. Cabin in the Woods a little bit. A little bit. Uh, you know, so it's a little bit of Frozen Dead, which is, I think... Which the, I just spoiled, by the way. By which I think that. is the... Um, uh, Frozen Dead is an old, I think, 60s uh, Nazi zombie movie. Kind of the seminal Nazi zombie movie. I'm pretty sure that's where they got... Uh, Treyarch got the idea from. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It looked like, it looked, it, like Pacific Rim. It looks like just the right amount of dumb with the concept that makes me go, ooh, kind of thing. So that, that was cool. Um, What's like not... the big film from Comic-Con? Is there anything that's being premiered? Like, mm. what about the new Godzilla movie? Are they showing that there? No, they already did show some screenings of that. Did they? Apparently it's better. Um, <laughs> that's encouraging. Uh, I mean, I like the, the 2014 one, but it's like yeah. it was a standard Godzilla. It's a very middle-of-the-road Godzilla movie, which yeah. is uh, all I wanted. Yeah, you know? that's fine. Yeah. Um, that's the whole thing about Godzilla is you spend an hour and a half watching bad actors do things that you don't care about to watch half an hour of monsters. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the new one is much more even split between like more like 50% dumb plot stuff and 50% <laughs> monster awesome. Yeah. So uh, that's all I ask. Yeah. Uh, improve every time. Put King Ghidorah in there. I'm in. No problem. It's got to be better than Skull Island. I hated Skull Island. What's the big superhero movie at Comic-Con this year? Um, I don't know. The there isn't one. Well, I mean, it'd be uh, Aquaman. Oh, that's is right. It's going to be yeah. shown heavily. They will probably show a fair amount, uh, some some new more Captain Marvel stuff. Um, maybe we'll see a te- There might be a teaser for Captain Marvel that then we don't get to see in public for a few months or something like that. That Marvel tends to show stuff like that. Um, maybe we'll see some footage from Wonder Woman 84, uh, since that I think is in principal photography, so they might have some, something to show from that. Um, obviously there's a lot of DC stuff they're showing because of the, um, the, the new, the new streaming service they're starting. Right. Uh, they showed the live action Titans based on Teen Titans, uh, head, headed by Jeff Johns. Um, reaction to that has been pretty much universally negative. It's a, it's weird, dark, gritty, nonsense, R-rated stuff. There's a, the, the thing with Robin is he kills a whole bunch of thugs and then goes fuck Batman after he snaps a man's <laughs> neck. I'm like, okay. Like, it's becoming very hard to tell you the difference between you and like a fan film from 1997, yeah. uh, but okay. Um, also, like the fa- the idea that they're using that as their flagship content to launch a seventy five dollar a year streaming service is a little questionable. Um, I was kind of hoping they might show something of the Blu ray release of Batman the Animated Series, which is due in September, which is supposed to be a very beautiful remaster of the whole series. Um, remember when DC animation looked good? Um, <laughs> Young Justice. Sh- speaking of DC animation, there's a lot of that. That's the, one of the big things I've seen. They're going to show some stuff. Um, there are oh, yeah. so many freaking panels at Comic Con. Oh, it goes on and on and it's on. It's insane. And on. Uh, it's like every day there's like 30. Chris, Chris Gore announced a Kickstarter for a documentary about G4, Attack of the Dock. There you go. Where's the, where's the, it's on Kickstarter? It's on Kickstarter, yeah. There you go. Go donate, people. Yeah, if anybody's got 100 grand laying around <laughs> and wants to see it, or you can just watch Game Face. <laughs> I mean, really, if you need a documentary about G4 and Tech TV, You've pretty much got the inside scoop yeah, this looks watching like this show. This looks like it's focusing more on Attack of the Show. Yeah, which is a show that he was a part of. Yes. Yeah. Um, which still I, makes sense. But I would argue that X-Play influenced more because oh, yeah. it defined kind of how you present video games in a video context. Absolutely. They didn't start doing sketches and all that crap until they saw know. what we were doing. Oh, yeah, they made fun absolutely. of it. The idea yeah. of humor in gaming yeah. con- coverage was weird when we started doing it. Yeah. It still um, is weird. And I'm not saying we're the funniest. No one else has done it. Like, oh, it's, tons of people have done it. Like, like what? Mega 64, 
Uh, I mean, Giant Bomb trades very hard on kind of the humor aspect of things. Yeah, but um, they don't do like sketches with like wardrobe and makeup no, but and Mega props. Si- no, but and... Maggie sixty four does. Yeah, kind of. Oh yeah. Oh, they do. They do tons of stuff like that. I mean, some of it's more like kind of like reality show prank style. Right. But like, I mean, look, one of the greatest moments in video game comedy remains when the Mega sixty four guys sent went out as uh, Ryo from. Shenmue. Yeah. With, in the full funny. costume. Well, they've done a ton of funny things. Asking yeah. the questions and the one woman asks him if he got separated from his group. Yeah. Like that is one of the, <laughs> I, that is one of the hardest things. I, I've laughed harder at that than almost any, any other yeah. comedic related thing yeah. in, uh, in, uh, in gaming. Yep. So yeah, that's Comic-Con. Not huge for games. Uh, not really huge for movies this year, it doesn't seem like no, either. They've, they've dialed, but also we're kind of in a, a weird moment where like the DC Cinematic Universe is sort of doesn't know what it's doing right now. They've got Aquaman, and we're going to see how that goes. I mean, that comes out on the same day as two other big blockbusters. I don't know what they're thinking. Um, you, the same day in December, December 21st, I think it is, you have Aquaman, Bumblebee, uh, which is also a big deal. Which looks Comic-Con. good to me. Looks pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, it's by the guy who directed uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, like you know, a, a, an actual human being that knows what empathy is. We'll I'm see just probably so desperate for a not crappy Transformers movie that everything, anything like I that. I think would this look will not be crappy. I yeah. think I think it's it's very far removed from Michael Bay, and I think, yeah, it doesn't look like a Michael Bay film yeah. at all. Well, I think the director is like, I'm going to make sure that people know. He more or less has said that. He's like, I saw the first trailer for that, and I was like, he wow, like, like, like we're this is what they should have been making all along of course yeah uh, i mean the, the main bad one of the main bad guys is a, is a plymouth uh, muscle car yeah turns into a robot that's voiced by angela bassett <laughs> movie's going crazy we don't know and then the third thing coming out that day is uh, alita battle angel i haven't heard of that that's Cam- james cameron was originally going to make that now i think it's robert rodriguez now um but it's based on a, on a manga uh, anime and it's like you, you know it if you've seen the trailer it's like she's got like it's a live action movie but the the main character is like an android like a like a, an, a battle battle angel alita she's a she's a i have not seen it she's an android war machine basically but she looks like a little girl uh, like a teenage girl and she they cg'd her, the actress so her eyes are like the size of an anime character oh my it's god weird looking <laughs> Um, that sounds kind of awesome, now, actually. Now the now the downside is that all three of these movies are competing with them against each other on that day, and a week before that, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse comes out, right. which is an animated animated which also movie looks cool. focusing yeah. on Miles Morales' version of Spider-Man. And I think that first off, that's going to make tons of money, and I think it's going to steamroll all three of those movies the you following think? week. Yes, I think it looks yes, cool, I but I don't know about that. No, I think it's going to crush everything in its path. Interesting. Everything an animated, bad. yes, adult, animated, adult focused. But here's the thing: also starring Miles Morales. Like the the people have wanted to see a Miles Morales focused movie for years. There were you know people lobbying for him to be the Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and here he is. Yeah, here he is. Like like it's focused on him and his family and the different version of Spider-Man that he represents. And yes, they're bringing in other versions of Spider-Man from the other Spider Verses. But he's the central character, and I think people are going to rally around. His fan base will rally around that. People are going to, you know, as long as it's a good movie, and there's no reason to think it wouldn't be because it's not the usual Sony people doing it. It's the animation department. Right. Um, as long as they get something good out of this thing, 
uh, I think it's going to have more legs and more mainstream appeal than anything coming out the following week. Although of those three, I would expect Bumblebee to win. The trailer's freaking awesome for that. Oh, it looks great. I was sold watching it, yeah. So, um, if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. So, oddly enough, it's a very busy December. Yeah. Uh, well, it wise. is. I mean, December is Even like, without a Star Wars movie this yeah. time. It's when I go see a lot of movies. Yeah. So I gotta go home to central Pennsylvania. There's not a lot to do. <laughs> There's not. Literally, you can't hang out there at Christmas time for more than three hours at one location without somebody suggesting, let's go see a movie. Wow. I'm not kidding. Whether you're hanging out with your family, your wife's family, like that, your friends. It's like it buys us two hours and I have to talk to each other. After a couple hours, someone will say, anyone want to go see blah, blah, blah. It's just, there's just nothing to do there. It's, so. just, it's also like buys you like two hours, you don't have to talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to see my family, so every minute counts for me when I go home. But, uh, but yeah, it's... Definitely a little odd. I mean, it happens. I mean, when I was up north uh, in June, uh, one of the first things I ended up doing was getting, uh, going to see uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Yeah. which was not the greatest use of two hours of my time. But I can see that. <laughs> not the movie. I can see it not being the best two hours of your time. Yeah. A movie was not good. Yeah, I kind of figured it wouldn't be. I mean, it's a Jurassic Park sequel. What do you expect? Yep. All right, let's move on. We're going to get back to video games. We're going to talk about something that's... We've talked about it on the show before, and Matt and I are kind of on in the same uh, camp on this, but <clears throat> this week, two gaming luminaries jumped in and started talking about it, and it's kind of changed things, and so we wanted to discuss it again, and that is game streaming. So this week, Phil Spencer and Todd Howard both came out and said that they expect and hope, hope, that game streaming ultimately becomes the standard because they're content creators and all that they really care about is getting their content to as many devices and platforms as possible. Mm -hmm. And so both these guys said, we think this is the future, not sure how long it's gonna take before it gets there, but we think this is where it's all going and we'll be happy when it does get to that place. And well, from their perspective, I can't understand it, particularly Todd Howard's perspective because he's a, he's a third party developer. Mm -hmm. And anytime they make a game, they have to have a different team in a lot of cases tailor those games to those platforms. So you have to have a team that works on the Switch version at Bethesda. You have to have a team that works on the mobile version. Microsoft, not as big a deal, but as a third-party developer, Todd Howard deals with a lot of that stuff. So I can see from his perspective where he's like, really, I can make one version of the game and it works on every device? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah, I totally get that. Well, the I can't wait to see how they defy the speed of light. Right. Because that's it's never going to work, and it's nothing's ever going to get faster than no. the speed of light. Like latency is always going to be a problem, and I will never choose streaming over having an actual copy on a hard drive or on a disc. Like as simple as that. Like you can't do that. I mean, I can't even run Batman: Arkham City on my Steam Link from my the other room in my networked wired house without having the latency be too bad to use the counters. Yeah, I know. Like it's not going to work. Why do you think? So many people are pushing so hard for it, though. I think because exactly what you said, it'd be easier to develop for. You only have to make the one version. It lets you distribute to any, basically any platform with a controller and a screen and an internet connection. Like, you can put it on anything. It's, 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 it's a permutation of that thing Pactor always brings up about how your console will be your TV. Your, the CPU, GPU thing yeah. that he talks about. But these, these are smart guys. So 
Wouldn't you think that they would see, okay, if, if the technology is not there, and in all honesty, in America, I don't think the technology is going to be there for another, like, 15 years. Well, no, because you're talking about basically replacing the American internet infrastructure. Right. Like, the entire... Yeah. I, or, mean, I mean, there's tons of places in this country that just got broadband, period. Matt, there's tons of places in this country that still do not have broadband. Well, there was a, move, there was a, a, a proposal during the Obama administration to you know, get broadband everywhere, but that got shot down because why would we want to do that? My dad's house, he lives out in the boonies. He still couldn't get broadband. He had satellite internet, mm. which literally was like using like a 14K modem. Yep. Like you click on something and you watch the images slowly appear. <laughs> and there, it wasn't just him. There's just miles and miles yeah. of that territory where there's no penetration for broadband whatsoever. So going back to what I was saying about how these are very smart guys, you would think that they would see, okay, technology is not there. It's not going to be there for a long time. Why would we want to force this on our customers and give our customers a poor experience? Because ultimately that hurts our brand. It hurts all our IP. When people walk away from experiencing these and they're like, well, that was crap. Why do you think that they're pushing so hard for this? Not, look, I could see if 10 years from now, these guys come out and start talking about this mm -hmm. and be like, hey, it's here, broadband penetration's where it needs to be, everything's waiting for us to just grab the football and take it across the, the goal line. But that's really not where we're at. Like, I no, feel like they're I talking think... about this way before, way out of turn. Yeah, well, they're same thing about, they're talking about, uh, oh, look, there's Arkham City. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, your exact, your exact um, example. I don't know, I mean, he's talking about Elder Scrolls Six almost 10 years before we're gonna see it. Ah, good point. I mean. <laughs> What else they got to Maybe talk he's about? Maybe buttering us up for Elder Scrolls Six. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't believe it. Like, I just don't believe. You know, people talk about oh, the lace will be No, it won't. Like, it won't get any better. It will never be better than playing it locally. It will never, ever, ever be better than playing it locally. Is your house wired with fiber? Yeah, it is. Oh wow. Yes. In fact, I could have gotten Google Google Fiber, but I didn't know it until I'd already signed up. So. Oh really? You should probably rethink that. Yeah, when the contract's up. Yeah. You have a contract with your ISP? I don't know. If I cancel one thing, everything gets more expensive. Right, because it's all bundled together. Yeah. yeah. That's really where they get you. It's like, so, we'll bundle this together and you'll save 20 I mean, I've, I got 300 down. It's fine. Yeah, that's but fine. Like, it, but it's, it, yeah, it doesn't work. You know, I've tried it multiple times. I've even tried it with different Steam links. And yeah, it's still a split second too slow to comfortably do the counter system properly. Um, and that's just in a house. Yeah, I mean, there's certain genres. It, 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 I, to play, me, I play PS Now and stuff like that. It's like, and it works for like a slower game, a slower single-player game that doesn't require split-second stuff, like something like Uncharted. It plays fine. And yet the other thing is like, why are they talking about this? Because the vast majority of people that play video games are never going to notice. Never going to notice what? The lag. The la la oh, latency. you think a lot of people would play online sure, or they'll PlayStation never, they'll Now? they'll never notice the difference. Like, they'll, they don't play on a split, but it's like, you try to get a bunch of Street Fighter players to play that that way, it's not going to work. Yeah, there are certain genres it's, it's just maybe will never work. Fighting games, sports games, driving games, I mean, do you want to play shooters? Overwatch like that? No, I don't. That doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't Like, I guess if you're delivering, like, these weird cinematic... Like, I mean, I guess I'd play, like, Detroit Become Human like that. Like, what's that going to change, you know? But, like... I'm wondering if, a, if these... Folks are also can you counting get, on can you get 4K 60 frames a second through that kind of thing? Right. Like I feel like I feel like you're you're taking two steps back by trying to embrace this 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 angle. I wonder if people like uh, Spencer and Howard are counting on mobile bandwidth to be at a certain place. Maybe. 
I mean, they may know something I don't, but so far I have not been impressed by that kind of well, tech. Well, AT&T is just now getting ready to launch 5G mm -hmm. within the next, it says the next few months. Who knows if, it, knows if it'll be delayed or whatever. But even 5G is not. Yeah, I mean, I still just don't believe it. I guess, you know, like, okay, like you've got super fast, like light, like literally light speed connections, okay? You're, you're running this thing out of a server, you know, so the game's running on a server somewhere in what's the Central Valley or Bakersfield or something, and it's coming out to my house, and I have to press a button, and then it ha that info has to go back to the server, and the server has to you know, register it in the game yeah. and then send me back the results and I have to see the results and I have to process it in my brain, react to it and press another button. It's just like, why are you adding all this communication time to what works just fine by install thing, press button, activate, works on the hard drive. Like, there's no reason for that. I think there's no reason for that that it benefits the consumer. To right, me. yeah. No, you're right. That's, that's the statement right there. There's no part of it that benefits the consumer. No. It's all to make life easier for the content creators, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And for them to make more money. Because if you don't need to have three teams to get one game out sure. to market on across all the platforms, you have just one team, suddenly game development costs drop precipitously. Yeah, well, in that case, just pick a, pick a platform and stick with it. Right. Yeah, I mean, no look, one's forcing him to make a game is, for all right. three systems. No one forced him to talk about the next Xbox at E3 either. I mean, if that's really what you think the future is, the Xbox One X is the last console anyone ever needs to buy. Yeah. And in fact, it's overkill. <laughs> like, you don't need it even. Like, uh, I mean, I get their perspective and I can understand it, but you're right. I feel like they're... It just doesn't do me any favors. Right, I'm, it I'm doesn't a... do me any good. Yeah. Do I really care that I can play any game on my mobile phone? at a worse, with a worse experience? No. No, I don't. Like, I would rather sit on my couch and play it and have that immediate response. I mean, I'm already to the point where like, and I think a lot of us are, where when you buy a TV, you look at one of the big factors is like, how many milliseconds mm -hmm. is the lag? Like, it's funny, like I sold a monitor on Craigslist and one of the guys emailed me and asked me what the lag was on the monitor. He's like, I want to use this to play games. Like, what kind of lag does it have? And I was like, wow, I never guessed someone would ask me that when they're trying to buy a monitor. But it, it, so, you know, you think stuff like that is just niche or stuff that we talk about on Game Face or Sifted's patrons or subscribers talk about. No, like that is something that's leaked out of our culture and it's become a thing. Like you look for it specs for TVs now. It has the latency on mm -hmm. there that two years ago, three years ago, that was never a factor. In fact, I wish it was because I would have known that my plasma mm. TV's delay is like the worst in the industry. No, plasma's always worse. Yeah, it's really terrible. But uh, I feel like a lot of the stuff that, that... Was, I remember when I was trying to learn how to play Street Fighter 4 on, on my plasma, and I just couldn't get these like two frame guile combos down. Yeah. At some point I went and I played it in an, in an arcade in, in uh, Little Tokyo here. And I sat down to play and I played and I nailed the combo every single time. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, it's my TV. I play like I, I, shooters on my plasma TV and I'm constantly seeing like the, I died, but he never fired any bullets. I go back into the back room where I just have a little IPS monitor that literally has like eight milliseconds of lag and I just wreck shop. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy how much of a difference a, your monitor makes. And that's also with it going through a capture card, out of the capture card into the IPS monitor it's still way better than playing on my plasma TV. And I feel like a lot of the stuff that we think is just a part of our culture and this little thing that we have going on, a lot of that stuff is slowly leaking out and becoming a part of mainstream culture again. And I think 
eventually game latency will be something that will be caught on with the mainstream and mm -hmm. not just people like us. So I feel like as, as more time goes on... Particularly for people who focus on multiplayer. Yeah, you're right. I think it, as more time goes on, more of the casual folks are going to get woke to a lot of the stuff that we talk about or have been dealing with for a lot of years. And I think yeah. that that actually kind of spells doom for this plan that Phil Spencer and Todd Howard have. Yeah, I think well, that's always been how it, I mean, you know, the, the fandom starts in a certain place, but eventually people outside of that that just have interest in things catch on to the lingo, catch on to the, t I mean, look, you know, it wasn't 20 years ago that if you said 16 by 9 to someone who watched movies all the time, they had a good chance of not knowing what you meant. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, the pan and scan widescreen debate in the VHS era. No one understood what they were looking at half yeah. the time. It was like, no, you're missing... Parts of the parts of the film. picture, yeah. if you did, and like you know, and then, then TVs change shape, and now everybody oh, 16 by nine or 21, you know, 21 by by seven or yeah, what is know. it? There's a bunch of, I mean, there's tons of different yeah. aspect ratios, but um, yeah, people know what that is now. Yeah, and so as you know, and people know what 4K is now. People know that there's a difference between 4K and 4K. People know that the $300 4K television that Best Buy is trying to sell you on Black Friday when the doors open. Probably only does like 2K. Right. You know, but yeah. like, and it, it doesn't have HDR. Right. Like a lot of people know what HDR is now. And you know, the consumer base becomes more and more literate, especially as these things cost more and more money. Yeah. Um, and I think that's only going to continue. So, uh, you Do you know. see any way this can succeed? I mean, not without some massive infrastructure changes in America. And I, I mean, you could probably pull it off in like Japan or Europe because Europe is mostly fiber by now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like at the same time, it's like, what advantage does that give a consumer? I don't, I don't understand why that benefits me as some. I mean, I get why something like say the Xbox Game Pass does, but you're downloading that and and installing it. Yeah. Um, like I just, it, it just seems like making it. It's just like saying, oh, we're just gonna, we're just gonna downgrade the, your 1080p picture to 900p. Yeah. Like, you'll never notice the difference. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit less, but it saves us some money. It's cool. And I'm like, no, give me my full well, it's screen. Like Direct like, TV. Almost everything coming through Direct TV is 720p. Right. Yeah. So it's like, so to me, it's like, okay, I mean, I get why you want to do it, but why do I want to do it? And I've never heard a, a, a decent explanation for why I would want to do the streaming thing. Like, I get that, like, oh, you get all this library and you can instantly access and da da da. Well, that's not a worthwhile trade off to me. I think ultimately America's god awful broadband may save the world. <laughs> Seriously, because it because it's so bad here, it may be a case where the publishers are like, we can't do this. Like we can't cut off like a huge swath of the American public from buying our products. And that's what you'd be doing if gaming goes purely to streaming. Yeah, well maybe it'd be like a it could be like a like with Pizza Hut where if you have a bad potholes on your street, they'll fix it now. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, Bethesda, we have terrible internet here. And then Todd Howard will come roll out the fiber at your dad's cabin. With a big spool. <laughs> With a little hard hat on. That's pretty funny. I saw in and some state... And it'd be like, Skyrim Super Special Edition for everyone! Yeah. And be like, yeah. I saw in some state that they're, the people there, the potholes are so bad that they're planting trees in the potholes on the roads. <laughs> They're literally planting trees in the middle of the road to like make yeah. a point. That, that's a good idea for Wilshire. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, potholes in LA are terrible. Especially after all the taxes that we pay. I don't know where all that money is going. I like it so. when they're there long enough like that you see weeds. Yeah, in yeah. Them. Like, that's in a, the potholes. I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> a, a seed or a spore went in there. It got <laughs> rained on, which never happens in LA. Yeah, very rarely. And then somehow, we life see. sprouted up. It's crazy. Life, uh, life yeah. finds a way. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked about this a bunch of times, 
But when I hear it coming from Phil Spencer and Todd Howard, that's when I sit up and take notice. Like mm -hmm. these little companies like Gaikai or Sony buying Gaikai and saying, hey, we spent 20 or 30 million for this company. Let's see if we can turn it into, I get all that. When Phil Spencer and Todd Howard start talking about this stuff and say, this is what they want, this is what's coming, that's when I start to get a little nervous. Yeah, well, Todd Howard and those guys have also talked a lot about how VR is what's coming. And we saw what happened Not there. Not Spencer. Spencer's been one of the guys who stood against yeah, it. Yeah, well, Spencer can talk all he wants, but until they do it, I mean... Or until all, they ship Crackdown 3. For all the, you know, <laughs> or, you know they talk, how long do you talk about Scalebound? That never happened either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for all they talked about, um, you know, PlayStation Now and Sony buying Gaikai, what impact has that had on anything? Nothing. Yeah. Do you know anyone who uses that service? I haven't seen I it. Anyone. I don't know anyone who uses it, and I haven't seen any figures on no, how it's doing. They don't talk either. about it. They don't brag about it. They don't yeah. push it on you really. Like you just sort of scroll past the option on that side menu. They put out a trailer every month that yeah. shows the new games the new that are coming to it. it. But like, yeah. I mean, Netflix for games is just sort of weird to me because like Netflix that was kind of their point. I right. think that was Todd Howard's point was. Wait, we have this for movies and television. It's only a matter of time until games do that. Yeah, it's well, like games no. are movies and television. Yeah. And like, yeah, I would argue that game Netflix for games and television is Game Pass. Yeah, like you know, a, 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 the ability to browse and see all these things and have access to them, but you still want to like install them and have the best yeah. possible experience. It's like, you know, it's kind of the thing where it's like. Netflix is different because if, if your movie is lagging by three seconds, you're never going to know because you have to interact with it. You just right. watch it. Yeah. Um, and then even at the same time, like, you know, Netflix HD 4K, like, they do, do a pretty good job. It looks pretty good. But if I have a movie that I really love that comes out, I'm going to buy it on disc because yeah. it, it looks better. It absolutely does. It will look better. I mean, you compare, like, a Blu-ray to DirecTV... Oh, well, that's not even... It's I mean, insane what a, what a difference yeah. it is. Yeah. And but, like... Like Netflix does 4K, and there'd be you know, some 4K stuff I've I've streamed. It looks real good. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I watched uh, Coco uh, that way, and I'm like, you know, was it, you know, did it buffer at all? No. Never buffered. Was it a super inferior experience to watching it on Blu-ray? No. Like it was fine. Yeah. But if I if I decided, you know, like, and I did like that movie a lot, but I will probably buy it on disc if I want to watch it again yeah. because the disc is always going to be a better for now. Anyway, maybe one day it won't be. But by then it'll be 8K and it won't matter. Well, right. Well, you're right. The, the resolution will keep going up, so it'll never yeah. get like. Well, it'll get there. 8K is the limit for uh, 35 millimeter film. I think 8K might honestly. I think we may see broadcasters just skip 4K and go straight to 8K. That would make a lot of sense in terms of retrofitting your hardware. Because yeah. what people don't get is, and I had a conversation with a sifter on the site about this, is what people don't get is that every time you jump the resolution, like the, the TV networks have to rebuy like mm -hmm. everything, everything. Their cameras, which cameras are really kind of cheap in the grand scheme of things. All their pipe work, all their transponders, all their trucks, everything has to be changed. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm wondering- Down to the cables. Yeah, seriously. And so I'm wondering, I'm like, you know, I'm on the edge of getting a 4K TV, but I'm just like, wait a minute, there's no content for 4K. Yeah, I still can't watch NFL football in 4K. Well, that is a whole different kettle of fish. I'll tell you this. Like, I do not regret buying my 4K TV at all. You but play I, a ton of but games. I use it for video games. Yeah. Um, and that and is where, one case where it is worth it. I mean, yeah. if you play a lot of games, you watch a lot of movies. That's why I've told tons it. of my friends. You know, 4K? Do I have 4K? Mike, do you play a lot of high-end video games? Like, through, like that, because that's why you need that monitor, that, that TV. But then you also have to upgrade your consoles. Yeah. If you want or your to be able PC to play 4K, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and just keep in mind that you know when you watch broadcast TV, a lot of it's going to look terrible. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's. 
not even stuff that might unwatchable. Not, it's yeah, not yeah. terrible, terrible, but it's yeah. like it's not going to look as good as the stuff that supports it. Yeah. It's not going to look like Blue Planet. Yeah. yeah. And because of what you said, the 35 millimeter max is at 8K, I honestly think that ultimately they're just going to kind of skip 4K and just really go to the end result. I mean, that's the end of the line, pretty much. For existing media as we know it, I mean, again, and once you go beyond that, you're in a you're in a realm where like the human eye gets kind of questionable. Right. In terms of, of, where you yeah. can't see the difference. Not, not that you couldn't see the difference in, in terms of like the 8K versus like photorealism, but like like a live action, like you know, an actual live. I am watching this with my actual own eyes thing. But like, it's just a, a diminishing return. Yeah. Like at that point, why are you buying a thousand thousands of dollars worth of TVs for the sake of maybe a difference of two pixels in a certain shot with a certain color and a certain way of moving the camera? Like, yeah, you know, much more likely that the that once you hit 8K, the revolution becomes kind of um, changing how you shoot things. And I think the funny thing is, do you, do you watch Silicon Valley at all? The show, the HBO not, show? Not recently. Do you know what it's about, though? Well, it's a bunch of Silicon Valley like nerds at a tech company or something. Yeah. But you know what their product is, right? I don't remember. It's compression. Mm. Honestly, that show is on to something, man. Like, to me, if a company can figure out how some kind of new algorithm to compress things, mm -hmm. that's where all the money's going to come in the future, I think. That was a, that was, there was someone who had something like that a while ago. I mean that was I guess that was sort of the one of the big uh, one of the big like uh, buzz things about because um, like it's easier, easier to compress than to lay bigger pipes everywhere. Right. Um, I mean that's possible. I mean Gaikai kind of had a a, 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 a lock on that to some degree. Yeah. I remember I remember Sessler coming back having seen a demo of it and be like I don't know how they're doing it. Yeah. Um, well, in the end, you know, it certainly is impressive, but... It is. It still is impressive. Yeah, it's still... You know, but it's still not good still enough. still not there, yeah. yeah. Um, it's good, probably good enough for most people. And the other thing is, like, I feel like most people that I know who are more casual don't even know what that is. Yeah, you're right. And my one friend who, who is interested in it doesn't have a fast enough internet connection to do it properly. Right. So yeah. he canceled his thing after one month. I don't even know anyone who's tried PlayStation now. I mean, I tried it at game events, and I tried like a... Yeah, but that's... I tried like a demo. That's cheating. I tried a demo on my... I wasn't here, but it was when I lived in my old apartment uh, when it first came out, and it was fine, but yeah. like I could still tell. Yeah. And I'm like... And the other thing is like the, the one game that I thought ran uh, the, the closest that I had the hardest time telling was Uncharted. But I already owned Uncharted. So what good did that do me? Right. I mean, I guess it's good if you have some kind of pathological need to not have game discs in your house or something, and you only want to play things digital. But then, like, why not just download it? I, gotta, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't. What's this? This is a digital foundry. Oh, comparing a comparing stream. PlayStation Now to playing it from the disc. Mm. And what did they find? That. PlayStation Now is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do talk. They should. They also show tests where they show how many milliseconds you're losing, and mm -hmm. it is pretty significant. But visually, it does pretty well. I mean, yeah. you're looking at it right now. Can you tell which one is streaming and which one is off um, the disc? Not really. I mean, my guess. Yeah, would, you can. My you guess. Can my guess would be the left one is streaming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not on this so much as the. Oh no! Look, the oh, right is PlayStation Now. So, yeah, the tech's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, granted, we're looking but at it, this at, at the, it in but 720p. The, but the tech is also good in Netflix, but you don't have to interact with Netflix. Yeah. 
No, you're right. So that's the that's the key. It's like it doesn't matter what it looks like to me. How does it feel? Yeah. And every time I play something like that, it feels kind of mushy. Yeah. I mean, but it is pretty impressive that it looks that oh, good. Oh, yeah. And granted, this monitor that we're looking at right here is 720p. Everyone on streams watching 720p. Yeah. yeah, now show me God of War right. running like that on 4K right. on a pro. Yeah. Big difference. Dif dif different different ballgame there. So, so it sounds like regardless of what Phil and Todd say, we're still firmly planted in the corner of it's going to be a long, long time until this is feasible. Oh, I am. If sure. ever, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But I mean... I don't know. Todd has clearly taken a long game at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of Starfield and, yeah. and you know, the Elder Scrolls. I mean, it feels like Bethesda's really looking down the road, um, which is good, which they should be. Yeah. You know, and, and like, you know, it's, I guess I get that people are kind of frustrated that they sort of have not done the thing where they like, they, that thing they've been doing for the last few years where it's like, we're going to announce it and you're going to be playing it in like three months. Like, it's, you know, their, their immediate announcement to game thing. And now they're kind of really, you know, you know Starfield is. What, 2021 maybe? maybe. Like, you know, 2020, 2021. They launched their Twitter uh, account this week. <laughs> Elder Scrolls is probably 2025, 2026. Yeah. You know, you're talking next gen, deep into next gen for Elder Scrolls yeah. 6. Um, I but, still don't think broadband in the U.S. will be where it needs to be. I don't think it'll be, be there for that, no. Especially not with how those games, they keep improving. Yeah. You, know, you keep improving that, you keep improving what's happening there. I mean, I would say prop, maybe, maybe like Bethesda's more on board because like Bethesda's games for the most part are the ones that would be the easiest to make work properly in that. Because look, yeah, Skyrim is an action-based game, but if you've got an extra half second of lag on stuff in Skyrim, is that really going to be a problem for you 99% of the time? No. Yeah. Um, Fallout makes even more sense. I mean, not Fallout 76 is multiplayer, but like Fallout 4, like if, you know, lag is a problem, just hit the vats. You know, like, like yeah. there's ways around it if you're just playing a single player game that right, is right. not, you know, Twitch based. I wonder too, what kind of an impact the repeal of net neutrality will have on, um, well, I mean, if any. Obviously, if, that, if the repeal of that leads to data caps, this is all out the window. Right. Because that, and that's probably the biggest hurdle they have in Europe as well. Yeah. Because uh, data caps are more of a thing in Europe and Canada. They're more of a thing everywhere mm -hmm. but, here. but here. Because yeah. we've been protected, at least partially because we've been protected. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's basically, you know, it's still there. It's still like that because, like, you know, no, no IP, ISP wants to be the first one to say, like, hey, we're taking away stuff from you, consumer. Yeah. But one day one of them is going to do it. And people are and gonna, immediately all the others are people gonna are like, going to whine about it, but they're not going to cancel because they still need the internet because the internet is a de is a necessary service. It's not. It should be a utility. Which and, was one of the which is one of the big problems with repealing net neutrality right. is for the people who only have one choice. Right. But of once an internet service once provider. one of these ISPs breaks that seal and doesn't instantly go bankrupt, the others are like, oh, let's us do that too. So right. that'll be the end of that. Yep. So there you go. And then you really won't be able to do the streaming services anymore. Yeah. I mean, even Netflix and everything will just... It'll be a problem for them gonna, too, yeah. What's going to happen is what net neutrality was there in, in place to prevent, which is companies like Netflix kicking money to the ISPs to get mm -hmm. bigger pipes to customers. It's... Hi. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something that has already arrived, but maybe cooling off and mm. that is the battle royale genre and i don't even know if it's, it's saying a, it's cooling off is stupid because it's bigger than ever yeah but it's like I've, as i've said many many times there's a finite number of people who want to play this mode 
and I think we've found them. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm not willing to totally say, you know, Fortnite and PUBG have split the, the, the audience for this mode between them, and that's the end of it. Because until Black Ops 4 jumps into the mix and we see what happens there, yeah. you can't discount. You that can't will discount kind of Call be of Duty. The barometer of the yeah, we got to see what yeah. that's going to be like. We got to see how people react to that. We got to see how the numbers are on Battlefield 5's mode whenever that comes along. And we'll see what the AAA publishers can kind of squeeze out of this. Not that Epic isn't a AAA publisher, but like, you know what I'm trying it to really say. It really hasn't been, but hasn't been, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, but you know what I'm trying to, be to say. Honest. No, I get it. Um, so we'll see. But I, th I do think that like the people that are interested in this mode, for the most part, have found their preferred game, and that is how it's going to be. Just uh, so you know what prompted this to talk about this topic, the last two Battle Royale games that you could say came from yeah. big or big-ish studios. One of the most appropriately named ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the last two, Radical Heights from Boss Key and The Calling 2, have both completely tanked. Radical lows and The Call. I mean, look, nobody would have thought that a Battle Royale game could have done worse than Radical Heights, but The Calling 2 did far off. worse. And The Calling 2 was coming off of a moderately successful first game. existing one. Yes. Wow. The Calling 2, by the way, is the most shameless ripoff of all of them. Mm -hmm. You're seeing it right now, and it is PUBG. Yeah. It, it doesn't try to spice it up with any kind of style. At least Radical Heist was like, hey, we're doing this goofy, wacky 80s thing. No such story with The Calling 2. It is like, hey, how quickly can we copy PUBG and get our own game out. Oof, that looks rough. And, I mean, PUBG looked this bad when it launched. Yeah, but, like, people have already gone through that. Like, they don't want to do it again. I don't think it looks that bad. I think it looks better than Radical Heights. Mm. Dude, Radical Heights when it launched was rough. Rough, but at least I could tell the difference between it and the others. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. Like, this is just a... Sh here's Radical Heights. Here's Radical Heights. I know Radical Heights. It's stylized, you yeah. know? And the calling, too, was just like, hey... We're not PUBG, but we are PUBG. Who neither, wants to play us? Neither so approach really, worked. No. Both of them did terrible. So the question becomes, is it over? Is, 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 have these two games taken all the market that's there? And well, are, any, are there any studios out there that are working on Battle Royale games? Should they just stop? Um, I don't... I, again, I think the AAA space battle over this is not decided, but I think if you're some kind of like fly-by-night indie title that's trying to kind of jump in on this trend, like adjust your expectations way low or pivot yeah. immediately. Um, I think they've kind of, I think, I think Fortnite and PUBG kind of have it covered between the two drastically different visual styles and approaches. Um, Speaking of pivot, the and, Culling 2, yeah. at one point it had two players on its servers. <laughs> two! How's that even possible? Two players. So, well, the peak, a peak was something like 14 or yeah. something like that. Yeah, so like, the studio completely bailed, took it off all the yeah. marketplaces, and now it's going to go back and work on the Calling 1. Yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a bomb, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a game bomb so hard that it blew the developer back to the previous game. <laughs> that is, that is impressive splash damage. Well, I don't know, Radical Heights sent Cliff Blazinski into retirement. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true. True. 
I mean, he may come back, but right now, that sure doesn't sound like that's it. That's the interesting thing about the Battle Royale thing is that it, the stakes are so weirdly high. Yeah. And it's so appropriate for the mode. Like, yeah. it's, so, like it's, it's eliminating <laughs> it's a, it's people left and right. Like, it's yeah. incredible. And so, so I, yeah, I'm not willing to dismiss the, this as, like, you know, the, I'm not willing to dismiss it as, like, saturated until we see how Call of Duty and Battlefield do. But um, well, call it, some leaks have been coming out of uh, Blackout, Call of Duty's Battle Royale. 64 players, one vehicle per map mm. right now. And that's, look, that's rumors. That's not substantiated, so take that with a grain of salt. Is it like but whoever gets stuff, the vehicle? Like, I runs, guess it's a race for the vehicle. Basically? I don't know. But that's the stuff that's leaked out over the last couple of days about it. Mm. So I don't know. I tend to think that because these games are so community based and they're so dependent upon player count and turnover mm. that I think that maybe we have kind of found like the two games that are going to thrive. It's super possible. And like, again, the biggest, the biggest handicap I think that Battlefield and Call of Duty are, are facing in this regard is they cost money. Yeah, but they haven't, they have a built-in player base. They do, but does that player base care about this? I don't even think that like Treyarch or DICE or whoever is making these games. I don't think they even care that much if the Battle Royale modes don't do well because mm -hmm. they have other parts to their games that are going to get people to buy them and get people to play them. I think it's these studios who are working on just Battle Royale games yeah. that are in a really bad Putting spot. Putting all your eggs in the Battle Royale basket seems like a bad move. That, exactly. Point. I think that's what we're getting to at this point, that if you're working on a purely... Unless you have a game that does things so differently, you have no chance because you're mm -hmm. playing catch-up with two games. One, I mean, Epic is gigantic. I mean, I talked about Fortnite taking over PUBG almost immediately because I was like, look, there's no way that the studio working on PUBG can ramp up big enough to compete with Epic. And I said it all along, that I thought the Battle Royale mode in Fortnite was going to destroy PUBG because Epic just mm. has this pipeline of developers who can just, and they're doing it. Fortnite has so much stuff going on in it that every day there's a new story about it. How do you compete with that? If you're a team, even if you're PUBG, how do you compete with that? You can't really, and that's why you've seen- And they haven't. Right, and that's why you've seen PUBG slowly mm -hmm. start to sink as Fortnite keeps rising. Well, I knew that when, I mean, I knew that when I played, because when it first did the Battle Royale thing, I played it. That's how I knew, like, like I played it. I never, I've still never played PUBG. Yeah. But I played Fortnite. I didn't, yeah. like, get hooked on it. I played it for a while, but, you know, just to see what it was all about. But the fact that you could get me to install and play that just out of curiosity, means that you're going to have a much wider field to, to draw from. Yeah. And at this point, you know, there's a lot of question about like, oh, people that played uh, Call of Duty or whatever, like maybe they haven't played this kind of game before. Maybe they don't know it exists. Um, I find that to be difficult to believe at this point. Like, I yeah. feel like it's... it's oh, they've heard of it at least. Everyone's sure. heard of Fortnite. My mom knows Fortnite. Yeah. Like, every, every parent knows Fortnite. Like, anyone who has a niece or a nephew knows oh, Fortnite. Yeah. I mean, Including it's... Including Cliff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who had yeah. to entertain his, his nephews at one point, uh, I think over 4th of July, and he was like, he's like, oh, and all they want to do is play Fortnite. He's like, they don't want to play Radical Heights. <laughs> it was already off. Can I think Radical yeah, Heights was already down by then. But I really think that we've reached the point where we've, we have the two winners. We have the one that's a little more realistic. We have the other one that's a little more cartoony and more stylized. The younger kids can get in on the Fortnite right away. 
the adults who maybe want something a little more simulation like can get into the PUBG. Everyone's happy. Everyone mm -hmm. has a game. Uh, and there's I such just, time commitments that I think one of the mistakes that some of these other developers have made is kind of the idea that like, because the independent game space has sort of been partially, at least I would say, defined by, okay, someone finds the new hotness and then everybody makes their version of that. Yeah. But that works for like a Metroidvania or like a point and click adventure because there's always room for more of these like three, three, to, three to four hour experiences, yeah. different takes on the same kind of thing. This is a game mode. Yeah. This is King of the Hill. It is. As a, as you know, and people call it a subgenre, but I don't agree. Yeah, it's I don't Slayer agree. I, it's from a Halo. Mode. Yeah, it's with a, more players. Yeah. And like so, it's a. It's basically a mode. It is the permutation is what it is. Like I mean, you can add building like Fortnite did, but it's still you know at at its core, it's the same thing. You know, no matter which one also you're playing. Also, remember how long and Fortnite third, was in development. Right, and also and third, it requires a critical mass of players to function yeah. properly. Like. You can sell, you know, five different developers can sell five different Metroid clones uh, on Steam because it's going to take me maybe five to ten hours to beat each one. They all look different, and I only need my own interest to make it work. Right. But if you need a hundred people to get a match going for every match, for yeah. every match, like you need a critical mass. And not that's only happening that, that you just can't, and you got to pull those people away from Fortnite or PUBG now. You need thousands of matches yeah. going so that as it drops, goes from a hundred to ninety-nine to right. ninety. Every one of those players needs to be able to, to a join a new, a new and match. Keep playing because just that's like the that. appeal. That is absolutely the appeal. Because it just keeps going. You, don't, the, the, the down, you only have as much downtime as you want there to be. Yep. That's the key. Call of Duty the same way. That's why it's been so successful. You die, mm -hmm. you press a button, you're alive. Like, there's yeah. no waiting. It's just very quick. If you talk to any of the Call of Duty developers, they'll tell you that that is really their secret sauce more than anything, mm -hmm. is getting players in and out of matches very quickly. You don't have time to think. Yep. And if you, you don't have time do to get have, bored, you don't have time to stop. Yeah. If, and if you don't have that critical mass of players right out of the gate, people are just going to say, this is lame. Yep. That's really and what it so comes down to. And so they have. And they have. Absolutely. So I think if you, uh, if you haven't found PUBG or Fortnite to be your thing in Battle Royale, Battle Royale's probably just not going to end up being your thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I really think that's what it's coming down to. You're going to need to choose. I think there's still, I mean, I know people that are, you know, fans of PUBG and they enjoy Fortnite who still are kind of like hoping that like Battlefield's Battle Royale mode gives them something slicker to latch on. More polished. They want more polished. They want production value. There. They want that. Yeah. There know, is like, kind of an opening on the more realistic But they're side. perfectly happy to play PUBG until then. Yeah, yeah, you of know? course. And if it doesn't turn out to be any better, or the polish doesn't turn out to be something that makes the experience better, they'll happily just keep playing PUBG or Fortnite. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is, the customers have nothing to lose and the, the game publishers have everything to lose. Yep. And if you're a smaller publisher that's risking everything on one of these games... Unlike, we're ta unlike with game streaming, which we were just talking about, right. how the shoe was the on other the other around. foot. Yeah. yeah, It's like a role reversal. And like you just can't bet your company on one of these. It's too, ri it's too risky. And you, you have to get... It's, it just feels like this, the, the player, the, the customer-based demands are so much higher than any other possible type of game you could make, maybe except yeah. maybe an MMO. Yeah. But I don't even I, I, even if it, even if I'm the only person in playing the secret world, I can still finish the game. No, you're right. You know? It may be hard as hell if you do it yeah. by yourself. Nah, you but I've played that game 40 hours, and I've never teamed up with anyone except to do the dungeon runs. Wow. It's like so I've probably spent an hour with other people. Yeah. But like a lot of MMOs today, you can play them as solo action or or you know RPGs. Yeah. And um, 
that's not true of the like you need 199 other people to play a decent match of this every time yeah that is the the thing that sets it apart from any other shooter any other shooter you get Mm -hmm. 12 14 16 people you're good which is also one of the more intriguing things about like Fortnite and PUBG is there will come a time when you can't play those anymore no you're right because it's over I could see no maybe there it. being an arms race where you get a battle royale. We're already starting to see it a little bit where you start having battle royale developers saying, we have 200 players right. or we have 1,000 players. We saw that on that one at that PC E3 show. Yeah. Where like the one, they're like, we have 400 now, but we're trying to work to 1,000 players right. at once. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure. Will sh- that I, make it better? Eh, Who knows? It make it, but at least it has a bullet point. It would there. have a novelty to it right. at first, at least. Absolutely. Um, but I'm, what I'm saying is, like, eventually, once this fad is kind of over, it's unlike Minecraft. You know, let's say, for sake of argument, that something happened and Minecraft stopped being popular ten years from now. Yeah. You could still load up Minecraft for a grandchild and be like, "This is the thing that your like parents your played when they were kids." Playing. Yeah. <laughs> But, but, like, Fortnite or PUBG, oh, like, all you could do was tell stories and show YouTube videos to yeah. people. Like, this is what we used to do. If YouTube even exists, then. Oh, the video, video never goes away. Yeah. For good or ill. All that stuff will just get <laughs> ported somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I don't know. It seems like you got to kind of pick or choose at this point because I don't really see any... If you haven't liked Battle Royale up until this point, there's no savior coming, I think, that's going to convince you that, hey, yeah, now I do like it. I think either you're going to settle in with PUBG or Fortnite, mm-hmm. or it's probably just not for you. Yeah. I mean, keep an eye on, like, what the AAA space does, you know, in the, in the this, this fall, I guess, is yeah. when that happens. But, like, yeah, it is what it is, and it has, you know, the critical mass it has, and it seems pretty clear that Fortnite has won, at least in terms of mindshare and enthusiasm yeah, at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, certainly, uh, you know... Although I'm sure Player Unknown feels like a winner. Oh, I'm sure they're fine. But no <laughs> he, one's... No one's like, I still feel like a winner over here. No one's talking about the Player Unknown party at E3. No, uh uh-uh. No. Nope. Like, Fortnite, as, and, like, all that means is next E3, the next Fortnite party has to be even better. Yeah. And it's just... I don't gonna, know how that's even possible. I don't know. But that it's gonna... But they're insane. gonna try. Well, I mean, the money they put into that party, I was pretty... Bl- it reminded me they of got the, the money, Sony party. And they got the organizational talent. Yeah. And we know one of those people yeah, sp- uh, personally. Absolutely. And they can do it. Yeah. And they could just become an A3 tradition at this point. Until the Fortnite party ends, I guess. Yeah, until, yeah. And, until the... But I feel like they've got that player base for a good three years, good three, four years. Until... That's my question, is like, how many of these people are going to go off to college and no longer be able to do this all the time anymore how many you know these these things are cyclical. i think a lot of people think they can go to college where they can do it more true because their parents aren't there saying you played this for four hours you need to stop true but that's how you fail <laughs> that is absolutely how you fail i almost college. did playing <laughs> tie fighter all the time i believe um it. or game uh, nfl game day when the playstation yeah. one launched we like my whole dorm suite almost failed all our finals because we we had a tournament NHL 94, Tecmo Bowl, all that stuff. Made mm-hmm. me skip classes at one point or another. But I graduated with pretty good grades. Yeah, I don't time. know how I pulled any of that Eventually, off, you figure it out. Like, yeah. You're like, I got to buckle down and do school. I just don't remember doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I do remember playing TIE Fighter. Like, I don't know. All right, let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk next about No Man's Sky, one of the probably more legendary discussions that's ever happened on Game Face. Uh, it's been how long now has No Man's Sky been out? A year and a half? Two years. Two years? Came it's out been two years. August 8th, 2016. Wow. I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, Neither can they. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. 
Because really what we're getting, we're getting No Man's Sky next, which mm. launches the 24th, yep. comes out for all platforms, and then the Xbox One version is finally coming out. And here we are seeing the trailer that made my jaw drop this week. The first look at No Man's Sky as I had personally envisioned it all along. This is what I thought the game was going to be all along. And I know a lot of people may not feel a, that way. Third-person squad. But personally, this is what I thought it was going to be like. I thought I was going to be able to go around the planets and see ships everywhere, other human players everywhere. No, they speci he specific Sean Murray specifically said that was not what it was going to be. I know, but I'm telling it you. It is what people thought right. it was going to be. And I was one of them. I really thought that this is what, and now here it is. Well, no well, Man's Sky next. Your two wildest years, dreams they, realized. After two years, they finally gave you people, who, but you made up in your heads. Well done. Well, the other thing, too, is that I had ringed thought. Ringed planets. We finally got ringed planets. Yeah. But, see, I thought that even, like, this wasn't going to be as good as I had hoped. And it, based upon what they've shown in a couple interviews that he did over the last couple of days, it is. It absolutely is what I was hoping for and expecting all along. This month went from there's really no games I want to play to, oh, wow, there's one game I really want to play now. And it's No Man's Sky. I never thought I would say that again. Uh, you continued playing No Man's Sky way after we had that discussion. Oh, yeah. I pretty much stopped after that. I never I put, really went uh, back. about 200 hours in the PC version. I put about 100 hours in the PS4 version. So, uh, and then I went back and did play the, uh, the various updates when they came out. Uh, I still haven't finished the actual, like, the, they added the, uh, like the main story a couple updates ago. Yeah. Uh, and I still never, I have not finished that. It's a pretty long quest. <laughs> Because I get I get sidetracked by because I actually loved the game as from it was the beginning, from yeah. the beginning. I like the survival the weird stuff. I like digging, you know, puttering around on planets. I like you know, I like all the additions. The additions are all gravy to me. But like, so I kind of ignored the main quest in favor of like going around to see this planet or this planet or fly around over here or do this over here. I don't I don't have a lot of uh, attention span in this game. I go fly around fly around and do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, I should buckle down and finish the and story discover line. strange the wildlife. Sto the storyline's like twenty <laughs> hours long. Like, yeah. It's, it's like it's a, it, like I played through all the single player what you could call the campaign, um, and it took me yeah maybe well, a little the, less. The the new stuff. No, I haven't played the new stuff. No, the new stuff is completely different. Oh, really? It's completely different. It's it's all. I mean, I feel like I'm going to be playing a new game again. You are. It's all like all the story is like all character. There's characters. There's places you have to go. There's stuff to discover. There's mysteries and texts and stories and reasons behind things. And there's a whole quantum element to it. And there's a whole like alternate timeline thing. Like it's 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 like Planescape Torment level weird. It's uh, it, they they came up with some crazy stuff. They did. I think they mostly delivered on the on the hints because you know when the for game first launched, you remember you could find like the abandoned stations which are like yeah. overgrown with like tentacles and stuff. Yeah. And you'd read the thing. There were like little short stories about how like like kind of these little like Lovecraftian horror snippets. Yep. Like the the storyline that they added to the game in, in one of the updates uh, delves into that a lot. Because there's be, a lot of mystery, but it was really the only overt narrative in right. the game. Well, also, there was like 10 of them. Yeah. You know, you'd start seeing repeats, but the, the, they added, a, you know, there's a real story quest there now. Like, it's like a 20, 30-hour storyline. Uh, and that's on top of the bases and the exocraft stuff. And now, I guess, the new update, uh, you're going to be able to do, uh, like... Unlimited side, base building, right? Unli unlimited base, base building wherever you want. Uh, I think they've upped the number of pieces a base can consist of. So I think in, in the current version, a base can have a thousand parts. 
and in the update in Next, it can have 20,000. Wow. And IGN was... They've uh, obviously improved the graphics yeah. drastically. The graphics Sam, and the, go back and the to that distance. old footage you were showing a minute ago and then kind of do a comparison and flip back to this so people can see the upgrades to the um, video. Look at that. Look at, think about the trailer yeah. that we just saw and now look at what the base game looks yeah. like. Well, I mean, it, they've steadily improved it over the course of the last two years already. And this is another jump. Uh, apparently the planets are a little bigger. Now look at that! There's, there's scope. <laughs> oh my gosh! There's scope to it. There's, uh, you know, the mountains are bigger, the valleys are deeper. Thanks, like it's, Sam. It's, uh, you know, they, they want you to kind of really still feel like, even though there's more people around, they want you to still feel like a small speck on this giant world. Yeah. Um, uh, IGN was uh, reporting, yeah, they weren't able to take footage, but they were reporting back that, like, they played a bunch of this stuff, and at one point they found, like, a player-built base in a canyon that was totally vertical. It was, it was built up the, from the bottom of the canyon to the top of the canyon, and there were stairs you had to go up. You could go up that took minutes to go wow. all the way up through the whole thing. It was, just this, it was like a city built into the side of the canyon. And, I'm excited, uh, man. It comes out Tuesday. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I've forgotten what my ship looks like at this point. Like, <laughs> I, seriously. Like, I can't wait to fire it back they, up. And they added the ability to drag resources from one square to the other in your inventory. I don't know why that <laughs> took two years, but I'm super excited about that. And take what we can get. But there's tons of, you know, there's all, also, if you haven't played it since they started doing the big updates, like, the quality of life improvements are really impressive yeah. at this point. Like, there's... You can, there's different sections in your suit now. There's extra storage in your suit. There's a whole section you can upgrade, which holds, you know, it's a special stuff just for like extra elements that holds like 500, I think, instead uh -huh. of the 250. There's a section of your suit you can upgrade that only does uh, technology upgrades. So you don't have to waste inventory slots on technology upgrades for the suit. You can just put it in that other section. Uh, you get your freighter, and, and you know, now there's freighters you can buy, and you can buy like frigates to kind of guard your freighter, and you can send like, your, your freighter team out to other places in the galaxy and do little side quests, and they'll come back for you. Or you can go with them and do side quests over there and get side quests that are mostly seem to be like fetch quest stuff. But like, uh, they've been very focused on the idea of constantly giving you something to do and a reason to go somewhere. Hello Games is about to make a ton of money again on this game because yeah. it's just now coming to Xbox One. There's a whole group of people who have never played this game that are going to be able to have oh, access yeah. to it. Not just have access to it, but have access to the very best version. Mm -hmm. They're going to play this. They're going to be like, what was everybody complaining about <laughs> with this game? <laughs> I bought it again on the Xbox. I pre-ordered it Did on you? the Xbox One. I'm interested to see what it's like, because my PS4 and PC saves are obviously from day one. Um, I'm going to have I to mean, download I'm, it again. I mean, the PS4 save is actually from, like, day negative four, because right. we got it we early. We got it early, yeah. Uh, so I even, I even played this before day one patch, which is even rougher. Yeah. Um, that was crazy. Yeah, it was. Like, they changed a whole bunch <laughs> of stuff from that, um, yeah. that first initial It was not outing. a good first impression. And um, uh, I'm curious to see, because, you know, those are, and I, those are games where I exploited a lot of the glitches and a lot of the bugs. So, like, you know, I have, like, my PC save, I think I have, like, 200 million credits or something, and, like, all these uh, like, giant like star destroyer f like frigate freighter thing and all yeah so so I'm like well set up and all those I use this, this crash ship glitch to like you know get full 48 slot ships in both versions so I'm curious uh, I got one of the main reasons I got the uh, the Xbox version because I don't want to delete my old saves but I do want to know what it's like to start the game from scratch we well, also want to play it on your X sitting on your couch I could play it on the PS4 sitting on my couch no I mean like at PC quality. Oh, the PS4 couch. looks great. It's got HDR, it runs at 60 oh, it does? on the Pro. It looks amazing. Oh, okay. Unless they screw it up in the patch. I mean, <laughs> it could always, it could always possible. It's always possible. 
They, ru they ruined some graphical thing on the PC version on my computer every single time they update it. And then yeah. all of a sudden it starts dropping to like 20 frames a second. It runs at 60, it, you know, 4K real well on my, on my PC normally. But every time they do an update, one of the big updates, it breaks the water. Like, and so every Weird. time I look at the water, like the, 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 the frame rate crashes. And then they'll fix it in the experimental build eventually. And now it's fine. You know, now it's fine, but I'm waiting for whatever goes wrong with this. Yeah. And that's when I go back to the console version. That's why I've got so much time on the PS4 version. Because while they, while they broke some shader or something on the PC version on my on my computer, I go back and I play the P PS4 version because it works fine. Right. So, so there you go. No Man's Sky next coming on Tuesday. So if you guys have it already, you've got to download the update for free, right? Yeah. Every, that whole update. If you already free. own it, it's free. And if you've owned an Xbox One all this time, you wonder what the noise is all about, you're about mm -hmm. to find out. And in do, fact, you're going to hear the noise way louder than anybody yeah. else ever has. Do be, also, do be aware that um, the PC version still does not support HDR. Really? So if HDR is important to you, uh, you're going to want to get a console version. Yeah. I can't imagine too many PC owners would play the console version because of HDR. And HDR sure makes things It look does better. make a huge difference. You're absolutely right. HD and HDR is like a little bit behind in PC because it's a different thing and mm -hmm. like you got to buy a new monitor yeah. and like you know so it, it's it's but I'll st I'll tell you it makes a big difference. HDR on the Xbox One X on uh, the Witcher 3 makes it look it's like real night good. And, day. and yeah. like Witcher 3 on, on Xbox One X doesn't even have very good HDR yeah. when you really get into it. It's, it's pretty. Yeah, as far as like being able to turn it on and off and see the difference. It's, yeah. I mean, it's there, but it's like, it's just in terms of like, you know, if you go and, and you know, do this stupid thing where you dig and, and like check it, how many nits is this? That? Like the HDR on the Witcher 3 is pretty canned. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's not very well customized to the actual game right. as opposed to something like god of war which We're does built that much the whole better time. Yeah. um but still it it provides a little graphical boost that is interesting and no man's sky on the ps4 looks gorgeous yep. already looks gorgeous so who knows what it's going to look like when this next thing hits yep so yeah. we'll see you on some weird planet on tuesday <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're still I, not, I not going to see a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, be aware. But it's so gigantic. Like, it's gigantic. The odds yeah. of seeing another player, I mean, you can You have now. to, like, organize it, basically. Well, right, you have to invite people to play yeah. in a group. It's, it's a four-player group. Yeah. Um, you can play in four-player squads. And, um, you can, you can, and there's no limitation. Like, once you group up in the squad, you could get in your ship and go to the other side of the galaxy, and you're still in, the, in each other's game. But, but you're, there's no, there's no light, tether. you're literally light years away. Yeah, there's no tether. And, well, IGN was saying like one of the tricks because like there's a thing where you can everybody can land on your freighter, and you can jump places with the freighter. Nobody has to use any fuel, basically. Right, right. Um, but uh, they said that one of the tricks somebody pulled was they had someone land on the freighter, and then they sent the freighter on a side quest like on the other side of the galaxy, while that other player was in the freighter, and. You, what they, happened? They go to the. They have to get back now. Oh wow! Like you basically sent one of your friends to another right. solar system, and they're like, "Have fun coming home." Like it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, No Man's Sky you can pretty much go anywhere you want, yeah, but it's like, yeah. but like, it's like it was like a like, oh, this could be like a, the new practical joke in No Man's Sky. Yeah. You lure somebody onto your freighter and then send the freighter to the other side of the galaxy <laughs> and say like, "Good luck getting back." Like, griefing. It's, yeah, your your friend griefing, and you can shoot your friends and and shoot their their ship down, but um, apparently it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And you cannot carry other people in your ship. Still one-seaters. Um, I'm wondering, I haven't seen anything about this. I'm wondering if I can change the color of my ship yet. I would like to repaint my ship. It's an ugly orange color that I don't particularly like, and I would like to paint it like a nice blue. <laughs> right. I'd like to do that. Like I said, I don't even remember what my ship looks like. 
It's been so long. Both of my ships basically look like a cross between a Y-Wing and an X-Wing. I, 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 surprise, surprise. I dug through, you know, I would just kind of keep playing. I mean, I had a ton of stupid looking ships over the course of the time, but eventually I, I, when it came time to get that last 48 slot ship on both You're like, saves, I'm doing it right. I went from solar <laughs> system to solar. I mean, I, I traveled like millions and millions of light years to find, like, I like that one. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that it's one. a big commitment. But unfortunately, one of the ones I like the most, I think is the PC version one, is this just this disgusting rust orange color. And I love everything about how it looks except the, the color. color. And I would really like to repaint my ship, well, Sean. It appears that this game is going to last into infinity. Yeah, they said so. they're going to do weekly updates. Yeah, so I'm uh, guessing eventually something like that should come along. Yeah. You'll probably have to pay major credits to I don't care. I just you want a different color. <laughs> I don't want this puke orange starship anymore. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to go to our last topic of the episode. We're going to talk about a game that a lot of people were gushing over until it came out. And that is Octopath Traveler for the Switch. It's a JRPG, turn-based JRPG for Switch. This game was getting all the hypes mm -hmm. leading up to its release. Now the reviews are coming out, and they're good. Their scores are decent. But nowhere near yeah, the they, hype levels. They ain't Mario Odyssey good. No. Nowhere near the hype levels for this game before it was released. No. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, so I, I have probably played, like, uh, getting, um, getting on, like, 15, 16 hours on this, 20 hours. I don't know. It's up there somewhere. I'm just, like, dipping my foot into the Chapter 2s. Because the way the game works is um, there's eight characters... Each character has a three-chapter story, and you start chapter one with whoever you pick, and you finish chapter one, and then you leave the little town you start in, and the idea is you kind of go, you work your way around the map, like a, basically a circle where you start. You work your way around the map, and you pick up the other, eight, the other seven characters by completing yeah. their chapter ones with them, and then you move on from their town. Um, the trick is that uh, some of them are harder than others, depending on if you're solo or you've got other people with you. Uh, the, the battle system is very driven around weaknesses, like weapon weaknesses, uh, spell weaknesses, whatever. Elemental. And the idea, the idea is that you hit them with enough of those weaknesses, weak shots, and they break, and they can't attack, and they take more damage, and you use their, their weakness stuff to hammer them until they die. And like the perfect, the perfect battle... Uh, you would use the weakness exploitation properly so that they would never get to attack you. Yeah, you get a bonus for that. And you fact. can do it. You can. Yeah. You can do it once you. But like the first character I picked was the cleric, and I hit her boss of chapter one, and I could not beat him. And so I started over and picked the guy with a big sword because I figured he'd be pretty simple. That's who and I indeed the he is. With. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I went and I gathered some more people, and I went back to the cleric's town. I went and, I, and we stomped the thing. And they don't remain the same difficulty. The difficulty ra you know, raises up every time you, you complete a chapter one. You know, like it, when you start, it's, it's, you've got to be level one. The second uh, character you pick up, you've got to be like level five. And then like the after that, the third character, probably like level seven. You know, like you, it doesn't, you know, there's, a, there's a curve yeah. on it. Um, but, uh, and then once you kind of complete That's all that. That's who I'm playing with, the, the dancer, dancer. The stripper, really. And then once you <laughs> complete, once you can get everybody together, like the, because the, the, the trick is like when you first leave your first character, when you leave the town, it's like, you're like, oh, I'm going to go do my, do this part of my story now. And if you look at the world map, you see all the other characters in their chapter ones. You have to go collect them all. And, uh, and they've all, it all says, you know, suggested level, like, you know, levels five or whatever. 
and then you see your chapter two, and like my chapter two was suggested level 27. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not doing that now. Yeah. Um, we'll just keep going. And so now I'm starting to get to the point where I can start doing, you know, starting to tackle some of the chapter twos, because some of the chapter twos are like chapter 20, you know, recommend a level 27, but some are like, but recommend a level 22, and I'm close enough to that to start. The big thing here is, and the reason I'm starting to slow down on this game, is it's becoming increasingly obvious that the characters, your eight characters, do not interact with each other no. in these stories. Like, they, they just... It's like they don't even know the other people yeah, exist. They, they, they acknowledge that they have allies, but they don't participate in each other's stories. They also I, don't really work together in combat in any compelling way, at least based upon what I've played so no, far. No, every, everybody just kind of has their own tricks. Yeah, there's no like team-ups where, no. like, where, okay, you have this element, this character has this other element, combine them together, and it expands the, no, the there's, output there's of no, damage. There's no, like, Chrono Trigger-style, like, no. team-up stuff or anything like that. To me, this is, um, like, the most basic JRPG, well, like, ever. I wouldn't go that far at all. Like, it's, it's, there's more to it than that. The problem for me is that, and I get why there's no real, you know, interaction between the party, because, you know, you've got eight characters, people can pick them up in any order they It'd want. It'd take a lot of work. You don't even have to pick them up if you don't want to. Like, you could, right. theoretically, you could grind your way through this whole thing with one character if you yeah. wanted to. I mean, yeah. I don't know why you'd want to, but I'm sure some speedrunner's doing it already. It's probably already but like, Yeah. But, like, <laughs> so I get that, like, that's a lot of work to do that. For the developers. For the yeah. developers, yeah. But, like, a little bit? Like There's even if it, even if it, even if it's just like a Mass Effect style thing, where like you know not everybody, not every character in Mass Effect had a comment to make on everything, but some of them commented on some things and like some kind of interaction, some acknowledgement that we're in a situation in this part of the story where sure it would be good to have a big warrior dude, and I have a big warrior dude, and maybe he could be in part of that scene or something. Right. And there's nothing like that is happening. It's so weird because like all the all the key art shows all these characters together in like an inn like yeah, planning yeah, something on a map and like they never acknowledge each other yeah. it's so weird and so par part of what i like about jrpgs in terms of like party driven stuff is sort of the way characters know each other and interact with each other and bounce off each other and grow together which is like as we said before we we did the show like you were saying that like the thing that pulled you through persona 5 was that element of you know building the social links and and being in school and these characters interacting with each other and that's not here no and that is a tremendous disappointment to me and i still enjoy it i also think it's got the best soundtrack of the year so the music, far here's the music's thing about amazing the music. the music is amazing but the way it's implemented is so bad like they they play the wrong music at the wrong moments a lot of times like the tone of the music never seems to fit what's actually happening in the game like, there's lots of moments where I'm like, wow, that song's awesome. I've been playing this with headphones, like, almost the mm -hmm. whole time. I'm like, oh, that's a great song, but it's, like, this, like, hard-charging song, and meanwhile, it's playing while there's, like, this heartfelt moment, or a lot of times on the inverse, like, it'll play a really sappy song, like, during battles. Like, it just... You can tell it's an indie game in a lot of ways. And one thing I would say is, to me, this game is really repetitive. And it's fair to say that most JRPGs, particularly turn-based JRPGs, are repetitive. A lot of times you're using the same attacks over and over. And I will say that this game does a pretty good job of giving you enough JP to get new skills so you're not using the same skills over and over. There's just not that many skills in the game that are flashy or something that you remember. Probably two-thirds of the skills are all just like buffs and things like mm -hmm. that. 
they're not really like over Put the top way, attacks. When, when you said JP, I mean, I mean job points, yeah. you reminded me that I haven't looked at what anyone's job point total is for like four hours. Oh. Like I probably have some we skills. We have lots I of skills waiting up. for you there. Yeah. But, the, but, and look, I obviously I really like Persona 5, but I really like Persona 5 because it wasn't just grindy battle after grindy battle. Mm -hmm. There was all the, there were all these other elements that made it interesting. Exploring the world was interesting because of the way it was created. The characters were were all of them were different, had different personalities. You actually got to know them. You got to learn their motivations. There was the whole dichotomy of the one world that you lived in and the other world that you went to for battles. This game doesn't have any of that. It is really just this grindy, battle-heavy JRPG with random encounters. Like, I, if I have to fight another egg, <laughs> I'm gonna lose it, dude. Like, seriously, there's, I, I don't know. I, I've loved JRPGs You don't like for the like, flying squirrel that has an attack called these nuts? Yeah, <laughs> that's actually pretty good. But you end up fighting the same enemies over and over and yeah. over again. And like, I don't know about you, I've tried to flee. I can like never flee from battle. Have I've, you managed to do it? I've never tried to flee. Wow, you're hard. Hmm? <laughs> I said you're hard, man. You haven't got tired of these battles? No, we'll get, the more because, you, the yeah, more you flee, the less XP you get, and then you're going to have to grind later, again later yeah. to be able to handle some later things. Just... I, li I like it. I like, the, I like the, the way the, the, the battles work. I just feel like it's so compartmentalized. It doesn't do a good job of like giving you a variety of things to sort of pull you through the game. Um, like I, the combat I... system's also so simple. It's like... The only thing you really have is choosing the power of your attack before you attack. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 That's enter it. I entertain myself uh, by trying to not let them hit me. Yeah, like, I mean, I do that too. It's like this to little do, meta game you yeah, play with to, yourself. I try to have perfect battles. A flawless battle, yeah, um, I do that too. And some, and some of the boss battles are, you know, like have some interesting twists to them. Um, I like it. I like, the, I like playing it. I just... The compartmentalization of the different characters' stories is a disappointment to me and sort of like undermines one of the things I like the most about like kind of epic party driven R RPGs. Um, it's not ruining the game for me, but it is sort of making it easier to put down every time I play it. If you, if that makes sense. I honestly, sense. I've played it about, I played the demo for like two or three hours. I've now played the final game for eight or nine hours, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm going to play it anymore. I'm going to keep going. And I mean, I, we're in a dead period, too. And if I'm considering not continuing it, it's not resonating with me. I, I'm going to keep going. I, I want to see how some of these uh, stories play out. Like, I, I wish they were more interconnected, but like, I, I don't, it's not like I don't think they're interesting on their own, like several of them are. Um, I like several of the characters as they're portrayed in that. They just don't have any personality once they leave that story, yeah. which is sort of an issue. But um, I love the art. I love the, love the music. I will say this. After playing the demo, now that I've played the final game, I was not a huge fan of the visuals playing the demo. Now that I've played more of the game, there have been several moments where I'm like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Like, where they do do a really good job with the art style. Yeah. And yeah. I had not seen really any of that in the demo. Uh, so visually, I am more impressed with the game now than I was mm -hmm. before. And that is one element that I was kind of down on when I played the demo, where my opinions kind of changed. Yeah. And I like the variation in, in the environments and... Uh, Kind of how the world map unfolds as you sort of work your way outward from like that circle you sort of yeah. start in. Uh, I do agree. I hate with, the map. 
I do agree with a lot of the, um, some of the reviews have criticized the idea that like once you've done one dungeon in this game, you've done them all. Yeah. And they they are not wrong. I think the battles are that way. I feel like once I've done one battle, I've done them all with whatever character. Like once I get a new character, I use that character for like 10 battles and I'm like, now what? Like there's just not enough depth to the combat system to, for me, in my opinion, to buoy a game that's this long. Like I... I looked at it, I stopped playing last night, and I sat there and I was like, am I gonna play this again? And then I was just like, why? Because the stories aren't really hitting me. Maybe it's just me, but it doesn't seem like anyone really has all the, all the stories are kind of the same. Every character's lord has been killed, and now they're out to mm. avenge or whatever. Or they've been either that, or they've been suppressed or held down. And well, they're breaking the chains and breaking away. Well, that's also why I think it's so... Like, the, the, the common thread through almost the whole thing is that some, some respected form of authority has gone wrong or been yeah. taken down or betrayed them, and they must set that right. Yeah. And so the fact that everybody's kind of thematic motivation is so similar is another reason I think it's so weird that everybody's story is so independent. Yeah, no, that's a good else's. point. Because they like, all have I a shared like could have, yeah. I feel like they all would have something to talk about yeah. if they would sit down at the no, frickin' end. they never end. had that yeah. moment where they all fist bump. They're like, no. yo, you too? Yeah, me too. Like, even like, when you're there's picking, no bonding Yeah, even anything. when you're picking people up on their chapter ones, they're just like, oh, you'll come with me? Cool. And like, that's it. Yeah. Like, there's nothing, that's there's no personalized it. moment. Yeah. Um, which I find disappointing. And maybe it gets better later, but I'm like, we're hitting the 20-hour mark, and I haven't seen any of that at this point. Like, yeah. not even to the level of, like, little like little skits or something like they do in the Tales, Tales games where yeah. like they just sort of have little little scenes where they talk to each other yep. that have nothing to do with anything. They just happen while you're walking around or whatever. But yeah, it's like Even building the like camaraderie that. between the characters. Like, like I'd like to see what Ophelia says to, you know, Ulbrich or whatever, but like... Doesn't happen. I haven't seen anything. Yeah. One thing I will say though is if you're looking for a time burner, this game will burn that time oh, yeah, right up. it's there. It's, and it's also great for handheld, although one thing I will say is I cannot read the text in this game in handheld mode, hmm. undocked. This, the text for me is too small. No matter how close I hold the screen to my, I can't read it. It's just, hmm. that part of it, I don't think they play tested well enough. I mean, you can just see by watching this screen right now that if you shrink it down to the handheld screen, it's gonna be really hard to read, but as a handheld game, it's good because they're turn-based battles. You can stop and pause it whenever you want. And it maybe in some ways it's better to play this game that way instead of just sitting on the couch and doing marathon chunks of it because then maybe the repetition mm-hmm. doesn't grate quite as much. That could be. I mean, but it is really long and I think it does, even if it doesn't nail the narrative aspect of things pr- tr- tremendously well, I do think it captures the the kind of the epic scope of the old school Absolutely. RPG. In Absolutely. a way that we don't really see much anymore. Absolutely. If you had a fondness, for, I mean, I know the developer said that one of their big influences was Final Fantasy VI. I kind of see that. A um, little bit. I think for me, this is more reminiscent of the Saga games. Yeah. Saga Frontier, uh, yep. that kind of thing. Uh, especially in the sense of like the separate characters sort of coming together. Like that was sort of a trademark of that series. Um, 
Also, the occasional moment where you're like, oh, I do not have the party lineup to battle this guy and I'm going to die. Yeah. There was an element of I've that stumbled into caves where I am just way out of my league. Yeah, you got to pay attention to the danger level. Yeah, there's the a corner. little you thing at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, I walked in, saved. Luck Thank God there was a save point right inside that cave. Well, it also. Because I would have just sauntered right in well, there. Wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered because it auto saves every time you transition. Oh, when you go inside, yeah. it does? Well, oh. Anytime I didn't you know change that. screens, it auto I've been burned by the save system in this because you, if you stay out in the overworld, it right. does not auto save. And I've gone on where I fought like 10 enemies or whatever and then died on the 11th one. And they're like, want to go back to your last save point? <laughs> or do you want to go to the main screen? I'm like, no, bro, I need to checkpoint. And they're like, nope. And they'll send you all the way back to the last time you manually save. So every time you, if you play this, save, save, save. Yeah, every time. As far as I've seen it, any time you, you transition to a new zone, a new named area, yeah. it auto-saves. But you, it is a little bit like Dark Souls in that you can stumble into areas you have no business being in. Yeah. Well, and you like, figure it out real quick. And you're like, I'm out of here. Well, it's also like old JRPGs. You could yeah. do that. You know. No, you're right. Um, the other thing I would say is you were talking about how it is like a uh, old SNES era JRP. Totally agree, but I would argue there are dozens of games from that era that are way better than this one, and you can probably buy for like four dollars. Well, not if you want the actual cartridge, but uh, well, I don't know. Like what? Like Final Fantasy VI or well, something? Well, no, not that. I mean, obviously that. Almost any JRPG on the Super Nintendo is going to run you more than retail. Really? More than 60 bucks? Easily. Really? Like, if you want something of that quality, you want a Chrono Trigger or a Lufia 2 or something like that, you're paying 80, 90, 100. Or you could just play it on MAME. That's true. I mean, <laughs> For I'm going to advocate piracy. I'm not okay. advocating piracy, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was a time when you could have just played it on the virtual console, but right, now we don't yeah. do that anymore. Or you could have already paid for it on the virtual console, and now you can't play it anymore. Or you could have bought a Super Nintendo Mini Classic. Right. Yeah. And so this game is full price. It's a $60 yeah. game. And so I see that and I'm like, wait a minute. Like this is to me is not as good as tons and tons of JRPGs from that era that I think you could probably find some of them cheaper than 60 bucks or you can play on MAME or you can play on your NES Classic or your SNES Classic. I just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but you've already played those. Yeah, well, we have, but there's new. a lot of people who haven't. Yeah, but if you haven't played those, I don't know what you're doing buying this gun, this game. Well, I mean... Because there's nothing else to play. you got to sure, realize there's like, people being born every day. Yeah, but... Who this, aren't as old as us. But this game is for people that know this, this I, genre. I think you're right. This, yeah. this game is for veterans no, in a lot right. of ways. But Even both, though it's not really that hard. It's like, not that hard, but it does assume you know a lot about how the battle system works from the outset. Yeah. And it, under, it expects you to kind of piece together how the world works and, and how you're supposed to go about things on your own. Yeah. Um, and I feel for most... Uh, also, I mean, it's, it's it, just the this talent they've got behind it Especially getting Mitsuda for the for the. I mean, this is Mitsuda firing on all cylinders, yeah, yeah. compositionally. Music in terms is of in terms of use of music in various yeah, situations, yeah. The implementation not amazing, of it is not great. But like as a soundtrack, this yeah. is probably this is probably his best work since Xenogears One. That's um, a bold claim. I'd say I'd say this is Mitsuda's best soundtrack in twenty years. It's certainly up there, for sure. Um, but again, I feel like the implementation of it kind of sours yeah. it a little bit. Which well, I hate Xenogears. He just turns in the music, and then they do what they do with sure. it. But not I, his fault. But, but I mean, like, I hate Xenogears, uh, yeah. like, almost every element of it, but I think it's the best soundtrack on the PS1. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't need to like the game or no, like no, how I they use it in the game for me I to think you. that the music's great. Mitsuda is one of my favorites. Yeah. So I would say, if you're a Switch owner and you're sitting there right now, you're like, hey, there's these two games that they just talked about on Game Face for my Switch. 
Which one should I buy? That's a tough call. Well, it depends what you like. Yeah, I guess. I mean, these are two very different games. Captain Toad and Octopath Traveler are like, I don't know. Polar opposites. Yeah. But I think there are people out there who own a Switch and they're like, I've played everything. I need to buy a new game. Mm -hmm. Which one of these two should I get? Well, the I mean, a lot of it will depend on what they like. Well, the upside is you can just download a da the demo of Octopath Traveler and see is what Is this still up on the eShop? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you'll get way more value out of Octopath Traveler, but I think you'll get more enjoyment per minute from Captain Toad, I guess is the Maybe. best way to put it. I still ain't buying Captain Toad, so yeah. <laughs> I'll still play this. Well, you also no remember, Man's... too, it's cheaper than Yeah, Octopath until No Man's Sky comes out, and then it's probably all bets are off. I don't know. I, I feel like that's what's going to end my <laughs> Octopath career. <laughs> I think it might be, that might be the case. So there you go. That's all our impressions of Octopath Traveler. If I do continue playing it, and my opinion changes, uh, we'll talk about it mm -hmm. here again on Game Face, or maybe I'll talk about it in the grind or something. But um, as of right now, I don't see myself going back to mm -hmm. it. Matt, you think you're going to trudge forward after the yeah, 20 I'm gonna, hours? Yeah, I'm going to keep playing. I mean, okay. I, I don't dislike it. I just, I, I've slowly come to kind of realize like, oh, this is just not going to be what I thought it was in terms of how the party interacts with each other. Yeah. Um, which is a disappointment. As to say, there's no interaction whatsoever. Not so far. <laughs> um, but like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going, at least, to see how some of these stories start to turn out. Well, well maybe things will change for you, and you'll convince me to jump back in. Maybe. It's going to happen with No Man's Sky this week. Yeah, well, they did a lot of work between they that did. and that and <laughs> They now, absolutely so. did. Maybe if Octopath, it's still going to happen. Maybe if Octopath Traveler adds base building multiplayer. <laughs> it's possible. All right, it's time for our trailer of the week. It was a week full of great trailers, but I plucked one that caught my eye, but I could tell it also caught your guys' eyes because I can see the stats for views on Sifted, and this trailer did very well. In fact, probably one of the most watched trailers for an indie game in the last six months on the site. Hmm. Uh, and the game is called Death Gambit. This game has been in development also for quite a while. PlayStation 4 exclusive. To sum it up in a sentence, it's basically a side-scrolling Dark Souls crossed with Shadow of the Colossus, if you can believe that. If you don't believe me, you will after you watch this. Let's roll it.
So, Matt, I'm surprised to hear you are not aware of this game. I've heard the name. I mean, this is your, this is Matt Kyle, the indie game. Dark Souls with Shadow of the Colossus? 2D. Still, though. Not, not, not as interested with the 2D. Interesting. I think that game looks I'm hot, like, I'm and like, I'm not a big no, Dark Souls good. fan. Looks good, but it looks good more as, like, when I see that, I think more like, oh, my Castlevania sense is tingling. Yeah. Um, I realize Dark Souls is kind of a modern Castlevania. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, but if you're talking about, like, that Shadow of Colossus tie-in, I'm, I'm waiting for Pray for the Gods. Ah. If, if that, that ever comes. happens. Yeah, it's funny how that game, like, showed up, and everyone's like, oh, my Woo! God! Da, 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 and then it just nothing. disappeared. disappeared. <laughs> it just, like, disappeared into the ether. Yeah. I don't know what happened to well, it. I gotta make it. Yeah, I guess. It seemed like it was pretty far along when they showed nah, it the was, first that was time. A, that was a vertical slice demo. They got to make a game now. Okay. That's no, I'm, not, I'm not worried about it. It'll be a long one day. Okay, we got questions here, and we're going to answer them. Uh, Revolutionary. <laughs> we're breaking the mold here on Game Face. Uh, we always answer W. Matthews' question. It's just a tradition. So here we go. Dauntless, a pretty solid take on Monster Hunter for PC has been popular. Over 2 million players in open beta. Do you think Capcom is a bit late with Monster Hunter on PC? Also, WTF took Capcom so long to get any Monster Hunter to PC. As a PC player, that kind of game would have done very well. Capcom's kind of slow to yeah. learn things. I don't know. Capcom also, with PC in general, has just always been kind of wonky. Yeah. And like sometimes they jump on it and sometimes they don't. Like Dead Rising has had some decent PC support. Yeah. They got uh, Dragon's Dogma on PC, of all things. Um, There's no way to predict no monster, what Capcom Monster, is monster do. Hunter was always a weird beast, no pun intended. And it's in the sense like it was so stuck on portables for so long. And then it was like it was tied up on the Wii for a while. Like, I, I could never figure out why they weren't going more aggressive with that game in terms of putting on everything. I'll tell you why. It's because Monster Hunter was huge in Japan. Mm -hmm. And in Japan, no one plays games on PC. Right. PC gaming is like zero in Japan. And it's, so. It's visual novels. And I think a lot of these Japanese publishers, they're very nervous. I mean, look at Dragon Quest. How long it took for, for mm. Enix and then ultimately Square Enix to finally believe enough in Dragon Quest to try to push it in the West. I think you're seeing the same thing with Monster Hunter in the West. It's, it, and I think Monster Hunter World was the big eye-opener for Capcom. They're like, oh, holy crap! What have you been waiting all this time for? Because mm -hmm. it also never really caught fire here when it did get released here before. Because it was always Cause it was for... Never, it was trapped on the Wii or it was a handheld thing. Right. And that's just not how online gamers work here. No, that's true. Yep. And uh, as for your other question about uh, Dauntless, yeah, I'm shocked that Dauntless is doing as well as it is. Like, I had no idea. It kind of came out, only got a couple reviews. Most outlets mm -hmm. didn't even bother reviewing it. But 2 million players now. Well, I think, but it is like... I think, like you said, Monster Hunter World sort of broke that floodgate open, but PC gamers have no outlet. I, right actually, I wonder if Dauntless... I wish I could see the data for Dauntless to see if where the date was that Monster Hunter World broke. Mm -hmm. And if that was the day where things started going. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't like, surprise I, me one bit. Like, if you crave a type of gameplay, you will seek it out. And everyone's you talking can about it. it. Yeah. It's all over social media. Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter. Well, what do I have? I have a PC. Mm. And then they find a blurb. Like, maybe we wrote on Sifted, like, Monster Hunter, like, for PC. Or on any website... They go to Google, they're like, Monster Hunter mm -hmm. for PC, and it picks well, up on that. I, I think and I remember boom, even seeing like, some stuff. It's like, if you like Monster Hunter World, here's some other stuff to play kind of thing. It yeah. might have been on one of those lists or could something. Have, could, could be, but yeah, it's, I think if Monster Hunter had come out before Dauntless, Dauntless probably wouldn't be doing anything right now. I also have a feeling on once... on PC? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I also think once Monster Hunter World comes out for PC, all those players that are playing is Dauntless free to play. I, I think don't it, know. I think it might be. So maybe that gives it a chance Somewhat, to survive. I, I think Monster Hunter is the king. Absolutely. But I'm saying if it costs money, it's done after Monster Hunter World comes mm -hmm. out. If it's free to play, it might still retain some audience once uh, Monster Hunter World hits PC. Yeah, I don't know. I'm only tangentially aware of Dauntless, really. Yeah. Like most people. Yeah. Well, I think that's why the how you asked the question is because, right. holy crap, two million players really are playing this game and I've never really heard of it. It's unheard of for a game to do that. So... Good question, W. Matthew, as always. Uh, Major Tom, do you think making a Battle Royale game world that's more dense and lived in, something similar to more open world games like Horizon or The Witcher, would make for a more distinct experience in the Battle Royale genre? Or are we just stuck with Fortnite, PUBG, and whatever Battlefield and COD do? I think we're pretty much stuck with Fortnite, PUBG, and whatever battle. Yeah, that was kind of the whole crux of our discussion on that, is that they've kind of shown that they've shut everything else out. I don't think that... I mean, visuals always help a little. Mm -hmm. Do I think that if you had a game that had rooms that were more populated or looked more lived in would actually help a game yeah, I don't know. ascend? I don't think that's enough. I mean, there might be room for kind of like, like genre permutations like a fantasy battle royale yeah. or a super sci-fi one or like, or like a current day one i guess PUBG is honestly PUBG really is yeah. that or like a i don't know like a like a like a cri urban crime like a gta style thing or like you could do like different permutations or like a cartoony it. one or something yeah, I mean, just I, completely be, out of bounds you could argue that fortnite is already yeah that. although like i mean if you're talking about something like fur fighters right that's a whole like different creatures angle. yeah, yeah. I mean, Warner Brothers cartoons have a deep enough cast and a violent enough no, history right. that they could do something like that with a more like comedic angle. Well, remember that the Wacky Races cartoon? Yeah. I mean, that was like a Cannonball Run type thing. Yeah. Like those characters would fit in that that yeah. kind of an idea. Star Wars. Yeah, you could do it. Yeah, I just don't know if you'd make any kind of a splash with it. I think you're right, though. I think it's more the style and the IP versus, hey, these visuals are really stark and barren. Give mm -hmm. me something more detailed. I don't think that'll really... Yeah, I, I think you've probably got a better shot at, like, you know, at least making someone who already plays those games try it if you've, if you've got something that looks a little different or or has a higher level production value or something like that. But I, yeah. is it going to lure them away permanently? Like, I don't know. I feel like... Feels like Fortnite's gonna be one of those games that people just return to even when they go try something else. Yep. Short Raver, thank you very much for your your Twitch Prime subscription. Thank you. Any of you who have uh, subscribed with Twitch Prime during the show and we missed it, thank you very much. Unfortunately, while we're doing the show, we don't get to check out the chat very much. So, uh, let's see. Uh, the real Mr. Sweet, I'll, I'll read the question since you probably don't want to. Hey Matt, I ask every time, I make it to the stream. Any chance for a quick video of your Transformers collection? Mm. Um, when they're out of the box, is yeah. I mean, once they're, Matt they're has still pretty much packed up. It's been a long year. Yeah. Um, but I'm working. I'm, I'm trying to draft uh, one of our friends to drive me in his giant SUV to IKEA so I can pick up a bunch of glass display cases to start working on that. Once Matt has it set up, we'll bring a camera over here and we'll have Matt, we'll just shoot a tour with Matt of his collection. It's not just Transformers either. He has a lot of really cool stuff. So once he's got it to a place where he's happy to show it, we'll make sure we shoot something and we'll get it out to you guys. Um, here's a good one, Killzone310. What's up, Killzone? I haven't seen you around for a while, bro. Uh, funniest glitch you've ever run into? 
P.S. I have PlayStation now. <laughs> With a name like Killzone. Godspeed. I never would have guessed. Funniest glitch. Um, I mean, in recent memory, it's probably mostly Mass Effect Andromeda stuff. Um, I, uh, there was a period, I, a certain patch at one point kept causing this glitch where um, when I'd go in to talk to someone on the ship, they'd get stuck in their T-pose, you know, like that. Yeah. But they would still animate their hands and um. limbs, like, while they were in that pose. So, like, people would be, like, like, hitting themselves in the face while they were talking and, like, looking in the wrong direction. And I thought that was pretty funny. I, cap I captured some footage of some of that. But, like, I don't know. But I, I don't hit count a lot of glitches very often. Yeah. I'm pretty well, anymore, they don't happen that much. I would say probably... 10 out of my 20th funniest glitches ever were all from Red Dead Redemption. Literally, the first, like, week I played that game, I saw such crazy stuff. Like, horses just walking off of Butte out into, like, wide open air over canyons. <laughs> Cougars, like, then running and attacking the horse in midair. Oh, the cougar people were a pretty good the glitch The cougar people. Yeah. I mean, there was just so much. That game, when it first came out, was crazy the stuff that would happen out of nowhere and i think part of what it was is that you would get lulled into a sense of security and you think everything's going good and then just out of yeah. nowhere something <laughs> insane would happen it would just catch you off guard it would literally make me like belly laugh so mm. uh, i think unless i'm going back like way back i would say probably just red dead redemption in general yeah, just supplied good. so many funny glitches i think like if i'm talking like a, kind of like an all time they don't happen to me because i don't play the game but every year when the new fifa comes out there's always like a new collection on twitter or reddit of like all the gay glitches oh. where like <laughs> the players get stuck together or right. climb on each other by you know all the yeah. all the weird animation glitches that just turn out into making like all the players look like they're having a big orgy or whatever yeah like those crack me up like yeah. those are very funny especially because of just like the, the animation and the collision detection gets better every year so they look more realistic every yeah, year yeah. it's just like it just <laughs> it just look it just looks like all these like soccer players just can't keep their hands off each other and yeah. i think it's hilarious so I, I like i like the yearly installment of uh, the fifa glitches those are always a lot of fun uh by the way if you like glitches in games and you like to laugh at glitches in games check out uh, highlight reel from kotaku we curate it every time they publish it a lot of you may think it's just like gameplay clips or whatever. The majority of it is just goofy and funny glitches. So if you ever see that in your sift, give it a watch. Uh, let's answer a couple more. Oh, here's one Derek D. He's playing with one of our segments. Derek D. 111. Over or under? Well, I'm surprised we didn't do over or under today. Hmm. <laughs> We're going to do it anyway. Thanks to one of you guys. Over or under? Spider-Man PS4 sells 8 million. Is that lifetime? I'm guessing he's saying lifetime. lifetime. I, I will go higher. That's a lot. It is a lot. But it's not far with God of War. He chose the number well. Because I think yeah. that's right around where it's going to settle in. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, no, I think that's, that's a, it, it could be about that. Or if it critical masses the way God of War did, it yeah. will, out, it'll outdo that easily. Yeah, I would um, say over. I'm going to say over. Yeah, I'd go over too. It's Spider-Man. Especially given like the reaction and the sales of that that system this week, like I I, I think that I think that game is going to move so many copies and so many consoles. People are people are underestimating it. Uh, let's see. The stand user. Somebody trying to defend Octopath Traveler. 
Shane, you defended Octopath for simple combat, but you love the combat in Inokuni too, which I would argue is the most simple, easy JRPG combat I've come across in years. I think you're using a little hyperbole there. I definitely do not think that Ninokuni 2 is the most simple combat ever. It's also, I mean, which combat are you talking about? Because there's like three different styles of combat in Ninokuni 2. And really the root of my problem with Octopath Traveler is it's repetitive and it's the same thing over and over. I, maybe you came in late, but I pointed to Persona 5 in comparison saying, there are all these other elements of the game that kept the, re the repetition of the combat from grinding against me and grinding against me, grinding me down to a pulp or however you want me to put it. But with Octopath Traveler, there's nothing. There's nothing else other than the grindy combat, the random encounters, and then story. And obviously story is a subjective thing that everyone's gonna take differently. So I'm not gonna say, I don't like the story, so you shouldn't like it. You may love the story. It hasn't really caught me. So. There's just nothing around the periphery of Octopath Traveler to keep things going forward if you're not a fan of kind of the same combat over and over. And I would also say that I do not agree with the fact that even the base combat from Nino Kuni is more simple than the combat from Octopath Traveler. I, I just don't agree with that. But um, yeah, I, my big complaint with Octopath Traveler isn't just the combat, it's that there's, that's all there is to do. Um, so yeah, maybe you came in late and didn't see the whole discussion on it, but that's kind of my perspective on it. Ian Esquire asks, how do I stop collecting Amiibo? <laughs> uh, my solution to that was that Nintendo pretty much stopped making them. Yeah, so, if you don't pre-order them, you can't get them anymore. Yeah, so. I'm definitely not going to get that Dark Souls one. Uh, and I mean, I'd like to get a Ridley when that comes out, but it's months away. I thought they put that up for pre-order already. If, if they did, I missed it, so maybe I'm never going to see Was it Ridley? One. No, it wasn't Ridley. It was the other one. Uh, Splatoon? Yeah. Yeah, those went up. I already have a ton of Splatoon ones. I don't yeah, I have one. like the Inkling Girl, I think, already. I do not collect them, though. I only I have, have like four uh, Amiibo. I have the girl and the boy and the squid and the, um, from, from two, because I thought those, that looked better. I thought those Amiibo looked better. And I have uh, uh, the two women, the Marie and what's her name? I don't know. I never played it, but I bought the Amiibo anyway because I'm a sucker. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's answer one more. Also from Ian, you used to do Pax Big Prediction on his show. Since he doesn't do that anymore, what are your big predictions in the gaming industry? Oh boy, that's... <laughs> that's, that's too big of a present to unwrap right now, I think, unfortunately. Uh, maybe ask that question uh, the next time we ask for questions for Ask Shane Anything. I can go into a little more detail then. Uh, Mike's Q, here's the last one. Kingdom Hearts has always rubbed me the wrong way and I feel it is overhyped. I bought the blah, uh, blah, blah remix to educate myself for arguments. Has a dislike of a game ever got you to play it? Why and how did it turn out? Um, hmm. Everybody knows what mine is. It's Dark Souls. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of a game I didn't didn't like but played because I didn't like it? I mean, I played Dark Souls because I didn't like it because I knew other people would want to see me play mm -hmm. it because they knew that I didn't like it. Also, Does that you, make sense? Also because you lost. Yeah, also, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, not really. 
I can't think of anything. Can you think of any game that you didn't think you were going to like, and then you went and played it and you did like it? Dark Souls? Yeah. I mean, you, I, you had a negative opinion towards I didn't that like Demon's Souls and Dark Souls 1, and then I had to, I had to get through Dark Souls 2 because I reviewed it for Revision 3, and about two-thirds of the way through it, something clicked, and all of a sudden I understood Dark Souls. Yeah. And then I could go back to Demon's Souls and Dark Souls 1, and I did like them now, and I was pretty good at them again. Uh, whereas I couldn't do anything before. I mean, yeah. uh, Demon's Souls, I struggled with that first like big gooey boss with the spears and shields. And then when I went back and played Demon's Souls after I did Dark Souls 2, I played for, for something like four or five hours Demon's Souls before I even died once. Wow. So like, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I kind of expected to not like Dark Souls 2, but I ended up being the game that like clicked for me and, and unlocked the whole souls thing for me yeah so i guess so but i didn't play it because i hated it i played it because uh, adam needed someone to review it and he didn't know anyone else who he thought would be able to get through it all right so he called me and then you didn't think you're gonna get through it either i there were moments <laughs> there really were moments but it was like it, believe me if anyone other than adam Sessler had called me to ask to tell him ask me to do that i would not have yeah done yeah it. but like when adam calls i have to answer you answer the call yeah. Um, oh, and who was, what was there? Was one other thing? Did you thing. find one more? Yeah, it was because I had a, I had an answer for it. Um, where did it go? Uh, it was early on. Oh, here, Justin Horman. Can you think of any other time when only two games dominated a genre as much as PUBG and Fortnite, and it was hard for others to jump in with their own game? Yes, Street Fighter Two and Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Or fighting. you could go call you could go Call of Duty and Battlefield. Yeah, you could. But but I mean, you still had Team Fortress. You still had uh, uh, Counter Strike happening at that moment. But 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 I think the closest analog I can think of is just the dominance of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and all those other fighting games that kind of like that were still good. They were still good and peppered around it. All the SNK stuff was great. All that stuff break was good. In, yeah. And just it was just it was a Virtua Fighter. For, eventually, like I think Tekken and Virtua Fighter and those games made some for some inroads. But for a couple years there, it was Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and everybody Nothing. else. Yep. So yeah, that would be the closest thing I I think I've ever seen. Unless you want to count like Mario and Sonic. Yeah. They were certainly the kings of the platformers, and no, I mean, when your main competition is like Acro, Acro, Arrow, the Acrobat, and Bubsy, you're not really up against the <laughs> or Glover. Glover. Remember Glover? Oh, of course, I remember Glover. Story. <laughs> or James Pond. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. There's a there's a good thing to do to you for the for the losing the the fantasy draft thing is make you play a bunch of like terrible old mascot platformers yeah that might be your punishment because it looks like i might win possibly but then we never did your punishment for last year that's true maybe we'll have to do them just both at once <laughs> we'll both just <laughs> do a stream where we both just get punished we just take turns punishing each other <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's it for game face 135 on sifted games at sifted.net hope you guys have an excellent weekend uh thanks to everybody who subscribed through twitch prime during the uh, stream. And thanks to those of you who support us on Patreon or our subscribers on sifted.net. Uh, all these different revenue streams are keeping us afloat. It's pretty crazy how things have worked out after three years and all the different pivots that we've done. Uh, but we're doing okay. So, and that's all because of you. So thank you very much. Hope you guys have a great weekend, a safe weekend. Game Face is up and out.